0: What's happening, guys? It is episode number 46, A Cut Above Horror Review. We're talking about Hereditary 2019. Oh, my goodness. This uh, movie. Yeah, we have some thoughts about it. <laughs> Thanks so much for uh, all the love we got on uh, Spotify and iTunes. Keep them coming. So we're going to jump into episode 46. It is Hereditary. 2019, so let's uh, get it started right about
1: Good evening and welcome to a Cut Above Horror Review, a podcast where we review all things horror. I'm your host, Jacqueline, and tonight we will be discussing the film Hereditary from 2018. But first, let's meet everyone else on the show. First up, it's Hydra
2: What's going on, guys? How's everybody doing today?
1: Pretty, pretty, pretty good. How about you?
2: I'm good. I just want to wish you guys a belated uh, happy uh, Friday 13th.
1: Yes, yes, Friday
2: for us guys
1: I mean every day is Friday the 13th for us But yeah, it's nice to have it officially Did you have a spooky
2: day? Uh, yeah, I didn't do anything um, horror related I had D&D that day so. Well, that's cool Yeah, but that's we had a, way a way Jason themed troll pop-up <laughs> That we had to kill The DM's a horror fan, so he worked at it And it was fun
1: Awesome, that's cool I watched Hereditary, so that was a good oh, way to
2: spend Friday the 13th Family drama
1: <laughs> yeah And next up, let's not forget about John. What's going on, John?
0: Uh, It's going well. And yeah, let's not forget about John. Uh, Before I get into this, I I, I do want to give a couple of shout outs real quick to uh, all three of us. First and foremost.
1: (laughs) Shout out to ourselves. Yes.
0: No, 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 seriously. Um, A Big shout out to the woman that gave birth to me. Uh, my mom Mitzi, uh, she ha- celebrated a birthday today. We went out for Mexican food, oh, wow. so I was not able to get on our socials and do like a little preview of what we're going to talk about. So, happy birthday to, mom- to my mom. I
2: love
1: Aww, her. happy birthday, Mitzi.
2: Yes, happy birthday, John's mom. Hey. That's
1: awesome. Thank you guys, so and much.
2: If there's um, any guests on the uh, podcast this week, it's not me, it's probably John. <laughs> <you have Mexican. laughs>
0: I did <laughs> a lot of avocado. Actually, I had fish tacos, so I should be all right. Uh, mm. fish tacos. They, they were. They were delicious. I uh, also want to give a shout out to our esteemed host who's getting ready to celebrate a wedding anniversary, I, I believe tomorrow, which is why we're doing this on Sunday. So uh, congratulations and happy anniversary to Jacqueline and Joey. So congrats.
1: Thank you. I love our anniversary because I love to reminisce and, and you know, uh, soak myself in nostalgia. And so tomorrow's our sixth wedding anniversary and it's the, Eighth anniversary of the day we met. We got married two years to the day after the day we met, seeing *Nymphomaniac* at the Enzian Theater in Maitland, uh, in the Orlando area. So, and part um, two, <laughs> and part two on May seventeenth. So, two two nights in a row watching that delightful and not at all inappropriate. For a first meeting with someone, film
0: <laughs> absolutely. I I do want to wish you guys a, a very thank happy you. anniversary. And uh, you know, thank you so much to Joey for allowing you to be our host of this. So, uh, thank you guys and hope you have a wonderful day tomorrow. And last but not least, but seriously, and I mean, this with the utmost sincerity is uh, our, our friend Heidelberg, man. I'm so proud of you, what you're doing, uh, getting yourself back into shape and, and you were looking fantastic. So keep it up. I mean, that, thanks. Thanks I mean, not, that. E- not even making fun of you, it, 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 not a poke or not a jab, you're doing awesome. So keep it up.
2: I appreciate that.
1: Yeah. You guys can see, uh, you know, we're on a zoom video when we record these, but we don't release them on YouTube or anything like that. So you guys can't see but Hyderberg, let me just tell you is ripped.
2: Absolutely, I record our podcast uh, in the nude <laughs> over Zoom, so that's
0: why we make you sit down so we don't have to see your wang. Okay,
2: yeah, <laughs> um, no, but, no, yeah, but,
0: but yeah. really,
1: he works really hard, and uh, seriously, Heidelberg I find you very inspiring in terms of like your dedication and your discipline. Um, you almost never cheat on your, I wouldn't even call it a diet. It's just like your lifestyle, yeah. of like healthy eating. And you're always posting all your healthy food picks and it always looks so tasty, but also healthy. And you're always posting like before and after pics from your, your like workouts and your weight loss. And it's really, it's really something.
2: It's, uh, I appreciate you guys. Cause it's tough. It's, uh, like my lifestyle change I did about two years ago before COVID like got really crazy. And I used that, I was going to be 40 and I just didn't, I was tired. Of, I was 250 pounds and I just was tired of being that kind of that person, you know, I was like bitter. Um, so yeah, like I had to change a lot of stuff and I am going to gorge myself at some point this summer on like ice cream and pizza for like one day. Yeah. But, um, I think the sacrifice is worth it. And the inspirational thing, it, it, people message me once in a while, like on the Slack and stuff, they tell me that I have helped them out. And like, that's incredible to me to even hear that. Like, cause I'm doing it for vain reasons like I just I want to look better. I want to feel better, like but the fact that I, me just posting a picture has affected somebody else's life, like that's incredible. So, you know, that's why I do it, because sometimes I feel like is this cringe to post a picture of myself like, you know, what I mean, I'm not that guy, but I do feel more confident nowadays. So, you know, if it helps other people, I'm going to keep doing it. So thanks, guys. I, I will
0: Seriously. say this, Yeah, I, I, I will say this is that it's really not vain it's a uh, lifestyle change that, that will inspire other people. I mean, because we're not the voice of the voiceless, you know, but, but people that listen to this and I, I, I really want people to go follow Hyderberg on Instagram, Twitter, uh, Facebook, just go find him. Um, dude, seriously, it, it, it's an inspiration. No knock, no, you know, no joke behind this, but man, keep it up.
2: It, Thanks man. It's, yeah, it's fantastic.
1: It's going to be a hot Hyderberg summer.
2: Yeah.
3: Oh,
0: yeah. <laughs>
2: Jordan, you made a transformation like a couple years ago. I saw it, too, from your older posts. Well, it's been in Minnesota. It,
0: it, well, fucking Wisconsin. But Wisconsin. Uh, I I always say
2: Minnesota. I don't know why. It's know. another cold area. They're neighbors. Yeah,
0: they are. And they're both just as cold as fuck. So no, no, my mine was more of the uh, heartbreak diet where it's just like you went through this like terrible breakup, but then you decided to change your life because of that.
2: So like for me, it's not much different than what I've been doing the past five months. (laughs) Yeah. You know, heartbreak is a powerful motivator. Absolutely.
1: Yeah. But as you said, it's also so that you can look better and feel better. And Mm -hmm. those are like, those are going to pay off in dividends for you um, in the long run.
0: It's not a vain thing to want to feel better about yourself. Totally. That's the biggest thing.
1: Yeah. But no, I feel like you're, you really set a good example. So, Thank you. and we're changing the name of this podcast to a cut above voice of the voiceless. We're gonna, <laughs> yeah,
2: we are the we're youth gone be, wild.
1: Yeah. We're going to be the voice of all the poor <laughs> oppressed horror fans who don't get a voice in this society.
0: I am wearing a CM Punk shirt. So that's all I looked down at it. I said, <laughs> okay, so that, that was my inspiration be- beyond that phrase. Well, so. we're right.
1: changing the name now. So get used oh. to it. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. Well, I'm happy to be here back this week with you guys. Um, I always look forward to our recording sessions and our like random bullshit that we talk about in the beginnings and just, you know, kind of meandering here and there.
0: (laughs) It is bullshit, by the way.
1: But (laughs) But it's fun.
0: We have a lot of fun with it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I love it. This is the closest I get to like any type of a social gathering or social interaction in the course of a week. So, you know, I mean, unless you count me talking to like my five-year-old and my three-year-old about like dinosaurs.
0: Just so behind the scenes is that the reason why she said that is because Jacqueline's a mom of three and a wife and a wonderful, wonderful individual. So this is her social um being able to voice her potty mouth that she has. <laughs>
1: I mean, you know, not, there's there's no harm in it. <laughs> no,
0: not at all. We love it, Jacqueline. We love you. We we loved you, Heigerberg and man. This is this is awesome. We're getting close to 50. We're getting close to a 1 year anniversary with this podcast. So, it's amazing. Yeah.
3: Just a hang.
1: Just to I'm really been. proud of us that we have managed to have a brand new episode almost every week for almost a year. Yep. I think we've only had to break out like 4 of the pre-recorded episodes. Yep. So, think, yeah. So, yeah. And like 40 yeah, and like 46 weeks we've had 42 new episodes that's pretty rad don't and make, it's gonna don't be 52 math long.
0: but i agree with you don't make yeah, i'm <laughs> always just
2: astounded that we've been doing this for 46 episodes
1: yeah I and mean, getting like, better at it consistent yeah yeah sometimes but you honestly, guys
2: are
0: not me but you guys are I'll,
2: I'll agree with that john you're a radio personality i'm <laughs> trying to be as good as you
1: yeah you're already top notch to begin with hyderberg oh, and i were nice. new at this so uh, but uh yeah, on, to be honest with you guys, sometimes I listen to our earlier recordings and it's like a little like a little cringy. Yeah, it feels a little awkward and I think always, we're a little less awkward now. It
0: always <laughs> does. I mean, the thing is, is that
2: that, yeah, uh, we'll, we'll go on to it later. We should have get- you ever listened to the Straight Chillin Archive? Like there's episodes before, like 62.
1: Yeah, yeah.
2: Yeah, they're, okay. they're all listening. They're all talking over like one mic at a table. <laughs> over talking each other and it's you know but it's still fun just to go back and listen to it because of how much you've listened to like the newer stuff so so i think fans will like to go back and listen to it i
0: i I know we've said this a lot but we've got to get a lot of credit to straight chilling podcast because they have brought us together and we'll get more into it as we get closer to the year anniversary to the uh 50th episode and stuff like that but yeah i mean kudos to those guys because they're really They're inspirational to us. They're also our friends. So, Mm
3: -hmm.
0: and we've had all three of them on. So,
1: and it's just such a high quality podcast. And I'm sure that like Randy in particular would laugh to hear me say that, but it really is like, they're super consistent with their um, episodes. They release so much content. Like, I really don't know how they have time for it all, but it's all quality and um, I mean, even if you're not part of the Slack channel and even if you don't communicate with them directly, I feel like just listening to their podcast, you feel like you're friends with them and know them because so um, they're, they're really good at just like bringing you in and, um, you know, just shooting the shit and making you feel like you're you're home. So
2: that's what I gravitated towards the most when I started listening to them was same here. You just felt like one of the guys around the mm-hmm. table.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Friends, friends. good. I feel
1: like most people kind of like identify with one of the three guys more than the other like oh yeah this guy always kind of seems to represent my opinion mm-hmm. or I feel like my personality is similar to this guy or whatever so at least that's how I feel
2: no you're right and then when there's an episode where one of them deviates you're like holy shit Randy went like, <laughs> yeah. south on me right <laughs> that was not the that was not the review I thought he was going to give so it's cool yeah.
1: Yeah, exactly, exactly. All right, well, maybe we should wrap up the Love Fest and actually move on with our episode. But I do enjoy a good Love Fest, so thank you, John, for instigating that. And I, I love both of you boys. So, in other news, is there any news?
0: We do. We actually have a live action series of the popular video video game Resident Evil coming to Netflix, coming out July fourteenth. They released uh, two teaser trailers of it, and it looks I don't know. It looks dumb to me. I it, Oh, it, it's it's this action. It almost reminds me of the what was it? Paul W.S. Anderson, the, the, the guy that's married to uh-huh. Jovich. It feels like that to me because, mm-hmm. uh, Hyderberg, you had seen the Raccoon City or Welcome to Raccoon it City. Did. Um, this one feels like it's going back to that. Stupid movie of where it was like okay we're gonna pull some things from the video game into it but it's gonna be something completely different.
2: Okay, I haven't seen the trailers yet on Netflix, but I have. I've heard some favorable things from fans of like Resident Evil, of the games, you know. And the games, the stories are very convoluted and all over the place. But oh sure, it feels like possibly Netflix is catering towards that fan base, so that that could be why you you don't necessarily gravitate towards it, but those fans might yeah yeah that's true i mean
0: it it, it looked okay i mean it it was action-packed it got this because there were like two different treatments of the uh teasers it was like one straight and then there was this kind of like off the wall where it was um like a teddy bear or something like that a a virtual reality teddy bear that was talking about this new drug however it had the t-virus so no spoilers. I mean, the T virus is the big thing that happens in the video game that causes you to become a zombie or a mm-hmm. or something like that. So it it, it was okay. I mean, I, I'm interested if it's coming on Netflix, I'll check it out. But I'm not like sitting there going like, oh, I have to watch this." For me personally, and Jacqueline, I know that you're you've never played the game or never had. I'm
1: interest. not a gamer, no, and I have not seen any of the films. Um... So sorry, but even if I I haven't seen
2: any of them, I kind of envy you. Yeah,
0: really? (laughs) Absolutely. I Uh, yeah, those are
2: rough. Are they there's part of me that wants to just like marathon all of them just so that I just so I can experience them and then say how bad they were like, but that's a lot. So
1: so it's not something I need to feel guilty about not having seen. Okay. well, even if it were your
2: horror street cred from not seeing. Uh, OK,
1: Well, then I feel better. But I mean, even if it were something I was interested in, I would be very skeptical. I just feel like I've been burned so many times by these um, Netflix releases. You know, like I was disappointed by the um, new Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Um, I know some people like this. I was not a fan of the Fear Street movies from a year or two ago that came out, you know, week after week after week. They just had this feeling that I didn't care for. They felt like TV movies to me. I just, well, in some ways, not entirely, but, you know, just in general, I mean, I haven't been like thrilled by a ton of net, you know, Netflix releases. There are exceptions, but in general, eh.
0: I agree. Yeah. Well, yeah. and you brought up the fact of watching something back to back, the remake of the T- uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre starring Peter Dinklage. This this is going to be dope, I think.
2: Uh, no, you mean it- Toxic Avenger? The toxics toxic <laughs> Avenger. You said Texas Chainsaw. Oh, I'm I was sorry. talking,
1: I was talking about Texas Chainsaw okay. that we just yeah, I, g- I
0: guess my mind of. went that way, but the Toxic Avenger starring Peter Dinklage. Oh, man, has finally gotten a rating. It yeah. is going to be
2: rated R. Oh, yeah, baby.
1: You had me so scared. Your mouth was in a P position. And I was like, Don't say PG13. Don't say I want to see
2: gratuitous nudity and awesome gore.
0: For strong violence. And gore, language, sexual references, and brief graphic nudity.
2: Yes, brief, yet brief, graphic. yet yeah, graphic,
3: I <laughs> but graphic.
2: That <laughs> means a wang. They're going to show a wang.
1: They better.
0: Perhaps <laughs> our movie that we're talking about showed a wang or twenty-five. Um.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, wait a minute. So, like, wait. Um, I know that this was not part of your news, or was it part of your news? The Toxic Avengers. Um, do we know like if trauma is involved in this, or is it totally separate from? Lloyd
0: trauma? Kaufman is an executive producer of it.
1: Oh, thank God! Okay.
0: So, do we, so when does so, this come out? They have not announced a release date for it, but I'm assuming mm-hmm. that it's going to come out late in 2022, maybe early 2023. So my thought is, is once we get an official release date for it, the week before it comes out, or like within that time frame, we do the original, and then afterwards oh, we, yeah. we do the remake. Like, the first time we've ever done that, like, watch the original, watch the remake, and then, like, do a comparison thing.
1: I would love that. Tro- um, Toxic yeah. Avenger is actually on my list of movies that I want to choose for the podcast, so.
0: Mm-hmm. Hold off on it. I'll hold
1: off. I'll yeah. pick, like, Poultry Geist or something. Instead.
0: That's fine. That's fine. Just hold- <laughs> Like, any of us, just hold off until the remake comes out, and then we could do it, like, back to back. We do the original, we do the remake, and then we talk about it
2: it's going to be a nation like
0: theater release yeah apparently they they don't have any release like 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 details about it but it has been wrapped up uh the mpaa has given it an r rating with all those things i talked about which is what the original movie had yeah Mm -hmm. violence or um i think there was more nudity in it because it was a trauma release but um, yeah the fact that lloyd Kaufman's like an executive producer of it oh my god i'm, I'm so looking forward to it. i, I want to review toxic Avenger from 1986 myself i just want to like watch this fucking movie and review it um
2: i don't know that was one of the first films as a kid i remember watching like late night on tv and i knew i should not be watching this like i just knew <laughs> I agree. it was so I, bad i, I just didn't know what to make of it i
0: agree 100% <laughs> I no. agree. Okay, uh, I'm going to let Jacqueline uh, kick off this next one. Uh, Who do we mention every single week? Rob Zombie. There we go. Rob Zombie, (laughs) the Munsters, was originally supposed to be released on the Peacock Network. But according to Bloody Disgusting, it is now going to be released on Netflix later this fall.
1: (sighs) Right after I just got done saying, God damn it. Well, okay.
2: He's been releasing some photos.
3: Yeah,
0: it, yeah. It, like every single week, it finally, uh, it finally wrapped up their filming. Yeah, but uh, uh like original thoughts that it was going to be on Peacock and then like r- theatrical release. I don't think it's going theatrical with this one.
1: Dang it! I
0: wish everybody
2: has Peacock. That's why.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I I just think that there's not. I don't think the studio has enough confidence behind Rob Zombie, and I, I know there's a lot of Rob Zombie fans out there, but. I think because Netflix Botic, it, it's going to be more of a mass release and it's going to be one of those ones. that's like, uh, what was the new one with Ryan Reynolds in the rock red notice or something like that? That was good. It was okay. I mean, Dale I not know, right. You
2: yeah, watched it.
0: Yeah. I watched a little bit of it, but okay. it was fine. I mean, it was a fine action movie, but I think Netflix will have more of a massive appeal, So I think it'll help Rob zombie or help this movie get more of kind of a a a national uh attention yeah exposure to it right
1: i i hope so but my fear is just that by putting it out on netflix that as you said the studio may not have enough confidence in its quality that like you remember when we did the texas chainsaw the new texas chainsaw that it was like it was supposed to have a theatrical release but then it just like didn't test well and they were like let's just put it straight on netflix and i think that did not bode well for the quality of that film and it makes me worry that it bodes poorly for the quality of this film
0: i still want to see it (laughs) i do too but i'm very very curious about this movie
1: so Hydraberg, that's a good position to be in but my problem is because i love rob zombie so much i'm not even like that attached to the monsters but because I love him so much, my expectations are high. And I know that that's setting myself up for disappointment. But I yeah, just can't help what
2: it. What in me. his career has set your expectations that high?
1: House of a Thousand Corpses. Stop. There
2: was like 20 years ago.
1: And I I really liked Lords of Salem. I think that's like kind of, a, you know, given a bad rap.
2: I and, have, Devil's, and
1: Devil's Rejects. I, I like the first for, Halloween
2: for the monsters than I do for Rob Zombie. So I kind of want to I want it to be good. This is just a film, right? It's two. It's two hours. Two and a half hours.
1: Two and a half hours. Yeah. Yeah.
2: That's a, that's a problematic Rob Zombie movie. No, like, it's going to be
0: need... uh, probably nine days and thirty six.
3: <laughs> nine days.
0: <laughs> I'm just kidding. i big exactly...
3: Oh
1: Lord, I know, but that was funny. All right. Well, any more news for us, John? Or is that it?
0: We are good. So uh, we should probably get into the movie that we're talking about, which is Heredit- Hereditary, from 2018. Uh, the di- direct, I, I guess, the uh, major motion picture directorial debut from Ari Aster and our, our host, Jacqueline, picked this movie, correct? No, no, I picked it. Oh, oh, Heidelberg picked it. OK, so Heidelberg, why'd you pick this fucking movie?
2: Uh, I picked this film uh, because, uh, like you said, it's Ari Aster's uh, feature length, first feature length film. Um, I saw it in the theaters. It left a mark on me. Uh, his name ever since has been a name that's been uh, you know in buzz. There's a buzz about his name, and uh, you know I don't want to go into. I don't want to spoil any of the film, but it, it's a really good film. Some great acting, production quality, and um, I recommend it for the most part. Awesome. So that's why we're reviewing it.
1: Okay, those are good reasons. Well, now it I slaps think- as the kids say. It slaps. Well, that kind of gives away what my the answer to my next question. But I'd like to know whether. It fucks or sucks.
2: Uh, Yeah, this film fucks so hard. It'll make your head (laughs) pop off.
1: It (laughs) does have mom
2: issues, though. There are a little bit of some mom issues. So you got to watch out.
1: Well, you know who doesn't have mom issues. So, yeah, that's all right. Johnny.
0: It fucks so hard. It's going to make you want a lot of people to watch you while you're fucking it.
1: (laughs) My, my. How about you? Jack? I think it most certainly fucks. Um, it, I mean, it's just like almost everything about it fucks. Uh, it starts, I think it starts to kind of like fall apart a little in some ways near the end. And then it makes me kind of go, don't stop, don't stop. But then strong finish and I end up satisfied at the end. So...
2: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Very well said. Thank you. I'm like, are <laughs> talking a- about a movie or...
1: Yeah, <laughs> John, you want to <laughs> drop that spoiler warning?
2: Sure, we'll, <laughs> we're, we're talking about <laughs> God damn, that
0: popped me pretty good. Uh, <laughs> right, I read it Terry, from 2018. Uh, if you have not seen this movie in its entirety, pause the podcast, go watch it, and then come back to the podcast to find out what we thought about it.
1: Hydra Berg, do you have a I know you're like naked over there, but can you handle a reach around plots uh, summary?
2: I am. Not naked.
1: That was just <laughs> she's a joke. listeners. He's to... not naked. <laughs>
2: um, and yes, I do have a reach around ready. OK. A family that is consumed by nothing but grief. Meet a cultist named Joan with tricks up her sleeve in service to her queen Annie's own mother, her eyes on the prize. She wants Charlie's brother, a new body for an old pagan god. Charlie was its host. Now that's why she's odd. With a mouthful of cake, she suffers to swallow. Peter tries to assure her his words come out hollow. Her allergy to nuts has taken its toll. She loses her head when smashed by a pole. Peter, he panics and shits in his pants. Now Charlie is headless and covered in ants. Now Annie can't seem to forgive his disgrace. All that he craves is his mother's embrace. But she can't stand to look at the face on his face. So now we have a family who's filled with much strife. A loyal husband who just wa- loves his wife. And now is the perfect time for a cult to strike. Their plans have now come to fruition and summon their god king, an old ancient demon. He's taken the form that of a daemon. Now bow down to your king, and all hail payment.
1: Amazing. That that was that's my, one of your best ones. That was my time. most
0: favorite one ever. I, I freaking loved it.
1: That was one of the best ones ever. I like just Awesome. It, Humorous, but it's, serious. What, Great rhymes. so
0: hard not to laugh. Like Just like, like snicker <laughs> while you're saying that. It, it's yeah. like, <laughs> I just want to... Um, now,
2: is it payment or man? I looked it up. Some people say it both ways. I was like, for my rhyme, I'm going to say payment. The way I, it, I would say it. Yeah. The,
0: the way I wrote it down. The way that woman, uh, what's her name? The, uh, Kathy
2: and Joan.
0: Joan said it payment.
2: Yeah, that's the way okay. she said so it. That's
0: where I'm going. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna start this podcast off with. Um, I'm a big fan of Ari Aster. I cannot wait to see what he does in the future with horror movies and. Admittedly, I was a I was more of a fan of Midsummer really before this last watch of Hereditary, mm. and I to me this movie is a classic. I will not recommend this movie to everybody because you need to be in a pretty good headspace to watch it because it yeah. is fucking depressing. It is hard to watch,
3: mm-hmm.
0: but it is. Man, it is. Uh, um, we were t- uh, we were talking about Justin uh, Soju over at uh, Straight Chilling before we got on here, um, which we may bring up later. Um, uh, juice is the juice worth the squeeze of this movie, uh, Absolutely. and I, I, I don't mean that it, you know as a pun or anything like that. But but is it? It is. I, God, I, I I'm not going to have very many very many critical things to say about this movie at all after this last watch, because I think it requires multiple watches to mm-hmm. see things that you have not seen before.
1: Yes. I agree with that. Um,
0: you may watch it and just be like, Oh my God, that was depressing. Oh my God, that was fucked up that. Oh my God that, you know, this, that, but this is like the fourth time I watched the movie and my appreciation of the movie just went straight up. After this last I,
2: I think this is a movie I could recommend to people that aren't necessarily horror fans because so, the majority of it, it it's a family drama that deals with some very real things. And then slowly the creepy shit starts happening. And then by the last 15, 20 minutes, it intensifies to like some crazy shit. But well, I, I agree with you,
0: Heidelberg, but I think that you need to be in the right mindset because this oh, deals yeah. with some really, really heavy shit through the first two thirds of this mm-hmm.
3: movie.
1: And I would also say that like, you know, when things get crazy at the end, they get really fucking crazy. Yeah, they do. That even even a non-horror fan who's like kind of trucking along with the drama aspect of it, they might not be able to handle the shit that happens Maybe. at the end. Um, but I would I would say that John, I first of all, I completely agree with you. I think this is a movie that really needs multiple viewings. Um, there's like intricacies of the storyline that I think are a little bit hard to parse out on just one viewing this was my third time watching it and I feel like I finally got like really close to like kind of figuring a lot of stuff out that I that I previously was like I can't untangle this knot but um but yeah just as like an emotional and visceral reaction to this movie this goes into like a small group of movies that I can that I can remember like the viewing experience the first time I saw it and like that it really affected me. You know what I mean? So in that category, I would put movies like the ring, um, Mm. which scared the crap out of me. And I was like 21 when I first saw it, but it really like affected me and became one of my like favorite movies and like really gets under my skin. And I remember like the emotional experience of watching it Um, similar story with session nine and a handful of others. But this is like, this is like, I mean, this is like a very affecting movie, I think.
0: Okay. And I'm going to bring up something that you talked about that, that it does require multiple viewings because Charlie, our young lady that, that has this, like, which is the creepiest fucking thing ever. I mean, it's so <laughs> simple, but it's just.
2: Who didn't do that as a kid? like make that noise you know i mean not all the time like she does but true but
0: you don't understand yeah exactly what's what's going on until you watch it watched it multiple times of her doing that you know i mean she she brings up a thing um after grandma dies because like the movie starts off with this eulogy about this grandma and 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 charlie our 13 year old 13-year-old young lady that's sleeping up there that, that has this connection to this treehouse which becomes an integral part of the end of the movie that it, it, it's like uh, she she has dialogue with her mom it's like grandma always wanted me to be a boy and that dialogue comes up at the end of the movie and you don't pick that up like the first time you watch it or maybe no. the second time you watch it yeah and then it, like third fourth time you're like
2: uh, aha. aha i never I never really picked up on the fact that she was a host of payment during my first viewing.
1: Yes, I agree with that. They kind of
2: laid in your lap at the end. You don't really know Like, there's nothing like repeat, repeat viewings. Definitely. You start picking that up. You start seeing Mm -hmm. like she's being groomed this whole time. Her and Peter. Right.
3: Mm -hmm.
1: And it took me a while to figure out like why she was even like why the grandmother attempted to use her to begin with when, because we know that, the demon needs a, a a male host or prefers a male host but we but then again through repeat viewings you're reminded that when peter the son was born annie's son who's older she deliberately kept him from her yeah. mother and so she didn't really have an opportunity the grandmother didn't really have an opportunity to like connect with peter and try to groom him for this and so at least this is how i interpret it she kind of had to settle for trying to make it happen with charlie which just uh, ends up not, And I think,
2: with plans being of being suitable. patient enough to someday get it into Peter, you know, that was their game plan eventually.
3: Hmm. I you know, I Annie think was because that of way, her brother that sense. Yeah.
2: because of her brother was probably why she was so hesitant to ever let her mother near her son.
1: Yes. And that's another thing, like when you first hear some of the things that Annie says about her upbringing and her family life when she was growing up, in that like therapy group session, yeah, you think it sounds like a really fucked up family, but because you don't know the full story uh-huh. yet, it just sounds like a fucked up family. Like when she says, "Oh, sh- uh, my brother thought she was trying to put s- people inside of him," you're what like, she "Okay, that was. sounds like which she was. She literally was." Yeah, but like at the time that you hear her say that, you know, on a first viewing, it sounds like, "Oh, he's he's got some mental illness," right?
0: Mm-hmm. Um, but the dad died when she was a baby. Um. And notice how it was males that we were all always dying, right? Yeah,
3: because mm-hmm.
0: they weren't mm-hmm. strong enough to become this. Mm-hmm.
2: I feel like payment needs to be put into a, a an, an infant almost. It seems. But here's
0: the thing. Here's the thing about Peter know. or what? What's his name? Alex Wolf. Alex actor?
2: Wolf. Yeah, he was in Pig. Yeah.
0: He was. Yeah. Oh, I haven't seen that. Was he good? Yeah, I yes. recommend it.
1: Very the, different character.
0: The guy was such a great actor but the thing was is that that okay so so uh the actress miley um or or she played uh charlie charlie yeah M- millie
1: shapiro i think
0: yeah right. and, and man she was so good but she was so strong and the mom <laughs> and, and you can never go wrong with uh what's her name uh Tony
2: Collette.
3: oh yeah
0: my god is she not one of the best actresses of she all she's
2: so good in in
0: so good and it's just like like she the dialogue that Ari Astor wrote for this movie of you never cried when you were a baby or when you, even when you were born, you never cried. And it was like, she was so strong and, you know, she was meant to become this entity or this demon, like one of the eight demons of hell or whatever it was. And it was like, just the way everything flowed. And we've, I've talked before in other podcasts about
2: continuity is they kept that through the entire movie, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. like John, you mentioned the treehouse. I just love the way the film starts, like zoomed in on the treehouse, dude. We pan was, out, and the- we just it, we don't know how important of a setting it is. Right? I know, I don't know right? I, I, the I, I, telling I, us that. I I want to
0: piggyback off that. Heidelberg is that yeah. the, the, the cinematography of this so good, like, zooming in and so out of good. these, uh, these doll houses, these these houses that that. You know, that, that um, Annie is building throughout the movie is just, you know, it, it gives you scene to scene The the transition is so beautiful between these because you zoom in, you know, at the very, very beginning of the movie and you see Peter just laying in bed and the yeah. dad, then, you know, this is the funeral of the grandmother.
2: And they give you backstory to stuff we haven't seen. Like Annie's literally showing parts of her life through these little dollhouses, like her mother trying to breastfeed her child, like really personal shit in her life. She's putting down like even Millie's. I mean, Charlie's death. She puts down like as a fucking uh, what do you call them?
1: Miniature
2: miniature. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. Yeah.
1: I want to say some. Oh, sorry.
2: No, go ahead, Jacqueline.
1: I, I just wanted to say something. I, I really want to like emphasize what Hyderberg just said, because I, I agree with it so much. One of the things that I find like emotionally surprising in the movie is how personal Annie is willing to be. I mean, she's like a real artist. Like, I feel like you could kind of think of what she does as like a hobby or a craft, I almost. love it. but it's like, it's real art. And she's like, she's communicating something through her art. And it's like, she really exposes her life and herself and makes herself really vulnerable by creating these miniature scenes of really, really personal and very intimate and often mm-hmm. traumatic moments of her life. I mean, to have to create a miniature scene of your mother trying to breastfeed your own baby and then the 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 scene of your own daughter's gruesome death. I mean, that's like, so it's like I feel like the the her her art and her her use of her art is like simultaneously a way of like coping with what's mm-hmm. going on in her life. It's like a way of displaying it in a way yeah, that makes like sense outlet. in her mind. Yeah. But also I think it functions in like a less healthy way in that I think she uses it to like avoid her family and avoid talking about her feelings and and like truly processing her grief. So it's like simultaneously good and bad for her psyche. I think.
0: Yeah. Jacqueline put a pin in that because I kind of want to go back to that, but yeah. like, I want to go back to a scene that you were talking about mm-hmm. after Charlie, um, you know, cause she has a nut allergy and she eats this cake that has nuts in it. And, and like the whole buildup of that scene was so powerful. I mean, and it's not the most powerful scene in the movie because it comes later because, you know, Charlie eats this cake. She goes in sees her brother, uh, uh, Peter smoking weed with his friends. And it's just like, I can't breathe. My, 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 uh, my throat's getting bigger or something like that. And he he picks her up right away and takes her home. And there was no wasted. This movie was like two hours and four minutes or something like that. It did not feel like it. Like, like he picked her up, put her in the back of the car. I'm taking you to the hospital, hospital Charlie. And the thing is, is that you have to watch this movie multiple times because you miss symbols. You yes. miss things
2: like the light pole, the telephone. Yes.
0: Hydro, Exactly right. So so you see the the, the symbol throughout the movie um, on the light pole.
2: And the grandmother's necklace had it when she was in the Mm -hmm. call.
0: But, but like really the first time you see it is as they're driving to the party, you know, it's daylight. It's, it's on a, you know, a telephone pole or whatever it was. But
1: even that, I feel like you could easily miss on, on a first viewing. Mm
0: -hmm. Absolutely. But, but then you see that symbol throughout the movie. Mm -hmm. You have not seen this movie multiple times. You're, you are going to miss it. You know, and the fact that, you know, there's a dead deer on the road, her head gets cut off. Um,
2: I don't know where it's going with that fucking ant scene. Nah. So I don't mean that. That bothered me. A the lot. way it lingers on it in the theater. Well, I remember the first time seeing it because all you hear is Annie. You, you're like watching the but, scene. But, okay,
0: th- that's where I'm going. That's where I'm going yeah. with it. It, it. Is that whole scene of where Peter gets home and he's walking like a zombie through his house?
2: He's in shock. Yeah,
0: but but the one thing that you hear in the background is the parents of uh Gabriel Byrne, who plays Steve and Annie. this discussion of oh they're home they're home okay so everything is good so he
1: he that's so relatable because like yeah as parents it's like you're waiting for your kids to get home and then you hear the door and you're like okay everything's all good now i can go to sleep
0: everything's (laughs) good so so uh, the the character of peter goes to his room and the way he lays down and the way it fades to like daylight and you it's all in the background. It's that it's you don't see a shot of Tony Collette or or Annie, the character of Annie, go to the car. You just see it pr- from the perspective of sideways from Peter, and then you hear this blood curdling scream, probably one of the so bad. screams you will ever ever hear in a movie, which is so heartbreaking because realize that her thirteen year old daughter is decapitated, laying in this car, and it's just it man, this, <laughs> this movie is so hard to watch. It's, it's
1: unthinkable. I mean, it's unthinkable. And to me, like, there's a lot of scary and disturbing shit in this movie. But to me, that is like the most horrific thing. Like the thought of like a split second in time and it like destroys your life and a whole human being's life is over in like one second that you could have avoided. But the thing is, in this movie, you couldn't have avoided it.
0: No, no, yeah. no. And, and the one thing I preface this movie about is that Midsummer was like my favorite Ari Aster movie. But after this watch, this is my favorite Ari Aster movie because the this was
2: mine also
3: the,
0: the, way, the way he faded. Well, not faded, but the way he transitioned from her discovering the body, her going through grief, like, like just grabbing the, the area rug in a room, just like you know, screaming for Charlie and then going to the transition of this beautiful shot of Utah as she's going into the ground, the funeral was like so seamless. Yeah, the
2: contrast All of it. the two. It,
0: it was gorgeous. It was just like and Jacqueline, you said that that things kind of bothered you or or the transitions of the end and it, it finally brought you back up. Like I I didn't see that. I I, I didn't well,
1: see. I'll, that. I'll get more into that as we get closer to the, to the end. But I, I'll, I'll explain what I mean by
2: that. There, I, I might agree. There are a couple of story elements that I know are a little bit you could poke at mm-hmm. in this film that are convenient. So like, can we talk about Charlie's allergy? Because that's one of the things that does bother me a little bit. OK, yeah. OK. So she's a child. She's got a condition. She's a little weird. Um, I, we don't know what her condition is, but she's a little off, right? But we find out later it's because she's sharing a body with payment. And mm-hmm. he's weird because he's not used to being in this woman's. This girl's body.
1: The demon is weird because he, he is he's like, a, he's, he's weird he's because sort of he's a demon sort of. He's confused
2: <laughs> this whole time. He's even confused when he's in Peter's body
1: Poor payment. He's so confused. yeah, payment. I'm like so
2: confused. confused. Yeah.
3: I think we need so to the have what am a, I
2: supposed he...
0: to do now? I think we she, need to have a weekly welcome
3: I just like Potter they, reference as well.
2: and well. still in us early on that, like, she has a nut allergy, and it's very mm-hmm. important, right? Like, the dad says at the wake, like, is does that does it have nuts in it? And then, you know, the mom's like, does that have nuts? We don't have the EpiPen on us. and like, so obviously it's oh, a I thing has been this. dealing with. Oh. Where did she get these chocolate bars all the time? All the time. In several scenes, she's randomly got chocolate bars. I just feel like the parents would be more on top of that. That didn't bother me. But though. I mean,
1: she's 13. It's like but she's after not a little multiple kid. viewings.
2: I know I get it. Like as a 13 year old with my allowance, I could go no, and buy stuff. But I no, feel like I, I
0: like for me, it's just she's very eccentric, you know, and it's just she like she, she's always been treated kind of like. I don't want to say special, but she's always been like allowed to
2: They give her her independence because, you know, she sleeps well, in the treehouse and well, they're OK I, with it, just it make was, sure you, it's cold, yeah, so it, bring the heaters and.
0: Even the teacher walks up to her with, you know, a very, very um, firm yet yet understanding voice of like, well, you can finish your toy after you finish the pop quiz. She's very creative. Yeah, exactly. So she's very eccentric.
2: We Mm -hmm. find out later that's payment building like little fucking monuments of dead animals and little effigies. Yeah. But I just thought it was as a small critique, because like you said, John, I don't have any about this film. I'm just thinking, like, where does she get these like chocolate bars all the time? If she's got this nut allergy, you think you'd be more on top of it. If you need an EpiPen for this allergy,
0: I get that. It's a little
2: convenient because it does service the plot later.
0: But it, well, it really, it really does because it's just like like one of the most powerful scenes is with that, that dinner scene between uh, Gabriel Byrne, Tony Collette, and uh, uh, um, the kids. Yeah, well, the, kid, the the son. The son, and, and it was just like,
1: like how powerful
0: was that scene? It's just like
1: Alex they have it out,
0: like like they they ha- they allow their, you know their their frustrations to be heard, but then it's just like, well, mom, why did you make her go to the party with me? Because you don't want to deal with her.
1: So that dinner party, the the dinner scene is, I think, a really well written scene because I think it portrays something that most of us I think experience at some point in life where people are having an argument or an interaction of some kind and it gets out of hand and you can feel that it's out of hand and people end up saying things that you know are a mistake and that like you know are too far mm-hmm. um, but they but they are hard truths that are there you know what yep. I mean? But it's like you feel that something has changed once those things have been said. And it's so it's really relatable as a very painful, but maybe in some ways like liberating Catholic. experience yeah. like yeah, like to get things out in the open even if they are like absolutely unspeakable things that have been actually spoken.
2: I love that scene. It's so powerful.
3: Mm-hmm. And
2: like both like um, all the actors in this film are phenomenal. Yeah. Let's mm-hmm, just say that mm-hmm. like and like, but yeah, the interaction between um, Peter and Annie is just like, I never forgot that scene.
1: It's unforgettable. Well, it, it, I agree.
2: I, I
0: thought everybody played a pivotal role in this scene. There was nobody wasted in this movie. Mm-hmm. No. You know, Gabriel Byrne is Steve.
2: You know, it's it, so good.
0: And I'm going towards the end here. It was like, um, uh, you know, with with. Um, God damn I'm just doing. No the the daughter's name, Charlie. Charlie. Char- Charlie. Her book of where she draws everything, you know. Um, you know, Annie tries to throw it in the fire, and she catches on fire. But then she realizes that, well, hey, I got to re- get rid of this thing because I don't know what what we brought into our house. However, you find out she does know what she brought into the house because she's been a part of this the whole time. Um,
2: and who does?
1: Joan. Do you mean Joan?
2: No. Danny doesn't know. Yes,
1: she, does. she hasn't. No, no she, she do, doesn't. No, she doesn't. She really thinks she's
2: chanting she words she to buy Charlie back.
1: Yeah,
0: she, she has this like little
2: glare thing or 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 this light that comes in. That's when she's face. possessed by payment. That's mm-hmm. when payment takes over. Yeah,
0: mm-hmm. but she's always been a part of her mom. Like her mom was always a part of this. But
2: her, her mom's so been so secretive this whole time. Yeah, she, she doesn't know the trilogy. truth.
1: I don't think she knows the truth.
2: Uh, no, not at all. She's been estranged from her mom for a while. And her mom's been so secretive about her, like what she does outside Remember of the she's pit. like
1: going through the albums and stuff and all these books on spiritualism. And she's like horrified at what she's reading. She's like, Oh, payment. What is this? And I, mean, I it's, love like, it's clearly too. the first time she's like getting, getting the picture here.
2: I can't
0: I, uh, I kind of disagree. I mean, like this last watch, it just felt like she maybe she repressed a lot of this stuff that she understood what was going on.
2: She understood yeah. she came from a fucked up family. She understood yeah. that, <laughs> yeah. And she never understood that her mother was trying to possess her children with a, a pagan god from hell or whatever. Yeah.
1: I think had she understood that, she would have not had the mother living in their house with them and having any yeah. kind of relationship with her family whatsoever.
2: Yeah. Like uh, also the the relationship between Gabriel uh, Burns' character. It's Burn or Brian's Burns, right? Burn. I think it's just Burn. Yeah. Uh, And and Tony Collette's character, it's so complex and interesting to me. It's like you could tell they've struggled in life and they struggle as a as a as partners. Um, And their marriage isn't perfect, but it's genuine. Like you see the love for one another and Mm -hmm. with everything they've gone through. Like Steve's just trying to hold the family together.
0: That's trying
2: so fucking hard to hold the family together
0: hundred percent agree. I thought he was like the character that was just like like trying to hold his shit together. Yeah. he has hand. no
2: idea of the outside interference that's trying to tear his family apart right. either. Right. He he, he just knows things are going it.
1: really off the rails, and he's like desperate yeah. to keep it together. Well, you know, um, one of the reasons that I really love this movie is I feel like it shares some DNA with my all time favorite movie, which is Rosemary's Baby. It
2: does, and I saw it this viewing.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: And um, I think especially like towards the end when Tony Collette has sort of like figured out at least partially what's going on and is trying to get Steve to understand what she, what she now understands and is trying to get him to help her. Like you have to burn this thing. It's going to take me, but you have to burn the book. I can't do it. Just we have to do this to save our son. she's like really trying to convince him. Um, It reminds me of that feeling in towards the end of Rosemary's baby. I'm going to spoil it. Um, So if you haven't seen Rosemary's baby, close your ears for a minute or two. But when she figures out what's going on with the neighbors and their witches, and they're trying to take her baby, and she but she doesn't know her husband's in on it, and she's trying to convince him. She's like, "Look, this are the neighbor. He has pierced ears, and I think he's the son of this witch who used to live here. And they're all out to get the baby, and they they use baby's blood. And she's trying to get him on board, and he he kind of like placates her or sort of poo poos her when really he knows what's going on. And so that's like a big difference for me is like. Stephen really wants to help, but he just d- literally does not believe his wife and yeah, he he's like, want I need to, to put a stop her. to this. But, but in both cases, you kind of have this feeling of like desperation of like understanding something that sounds crazy, but you need to make the people around you understand it and believe it too, even though it sounds insane. Um, and, and, and they don't. And that feeling of like, everything is against me. I'm the only one who gets this and I can't get anybody to believe me. And I mean, they're for different reasons, you know, in Rosemary's baby versus this movie, but it gives me some of that, that feeling of desperation that you are alone in this. There's nobody on your side.
0: Well, I think Steve tries to do it twice. Is that when they're trying to do the seance, when Joan teaches Annie about the seance and they, they get hold of Charlie you know, Steve is still kind of like, you know, he's not the pro he's not the antagonist in this, but he's just like, Hey, be, like, uh, you know, Peter's just crying like a little baby throughout this whole movie of just like, you know, just weeping like a little child. And at the, at the end before Steve spontaneously combust after the book is thrown in, he's just like, no, I'm not going to throw this in here. We got to call the cops. We need to get this figured out. He was not doing anything that was like against what his wife will his or her will was. It was just like we can do this another way. She
2: takes yeah, he the, put like, his foot down at that point. He was yeah, he's like I'm
1: you. not going to like play your little game. I'm not yeah, going to yeah, encourage this it, delusion. Just like
0: let's stop this because there's something else going on here. He was being, the, and
1: oh, I'm, shit, but he believes that she's sick. He's like, you're yeah, sick. He believes, he believes she's that she's her. like out of her mind, which is like a terrible place to be when you she are does. convinced of something. Like but the is.
0: thing was, is that, that, you know, she got her son up at, you know, one 45 in the morning, got him up Come downstairs with me. We got to do this seance, you know, all of a sudden it was just like, you know, a- a- as a realist, I, uh hey, what what are you trying to say here? (laughs) And then you pour a paint thinner on this thing. Oh, by the way, some of the imagery was so beautiful. Cinematography. I'm sorry, I'm going off on a tangent.
2: (laughs) Wow. That's a gorgeous film. Uh, It's beautiful. And the paint thinner is a callback to that memory she told Joan about when she was sleepwalking and almost burned her children to death and herself. Yeah. which is Such a fucked up image. And then we get that nightmare she has, too, where she's gonna do it again and she tells peter like i didn't want to have you i tried to abort you like or have a miscarriage like it's so powerful just to hear a mother like, telling Toni her Co- child that is yeah. just
1: even in tony, a dream yeah
0: tony no look what? on her face like like when she covered she her, covers her own mouth like she can't but, believe but what she she said wants
1: to but she clapped the words back in yeah
0: but yeah. she pulled it away and it's like no i tried many times <laughs> you know it was just like
1: damn what the another example of just like things going too far and saying saying too much again it's a dream but still well and can i just ask you guys that scene where she's revealing this information and as they talk and he's like why are you afraid i mean he's starting to sob and it's getting louder and louder and she's sobbing and and they're the camera is like cutting back and forth between them and then all of a sudden they're wet yeah. And you don't, you don't know first for a couple seconds, you don't know exactly why. And then a couple seconds later, you realize it's the paint thinner, like she, uh-huh. you know, as, as an echo of the story she told before. Did you guys find that really disturbing? It was, is. I don't know why, but for some reason, when they're just wet and mm-hmm. you don't know why, I, I find but, that very upsetting.
0: But Jacqueline, would you have noticed that on the first watch of this movie? Like the reason why, you notice that was, they're wet?
1: It's, I'm not, I'm not, it's, it's disturbing to me. The fact that they're wet, like before I even know what it becomes less disturbing when I know why, because then I'm like, oh, this is like a callback inside her psyche. I thought it was more
0: disturbing. I mean, because the fact that she did reveal that story of like, I was sleepwalking, sleepwalking. I didn't mean to harm my children, but I covered them in paint thinner and, you know, um, um, Peter was like so upset and kept yelling at me. And I was like, no, Peter, I'm not going to hurt you. I had a match in my hand and I just blew it out. And it was just like, it
2: makes know? me think now. I wonder that we're talking about it. If she had some type of recollection of like that, both her kids were going to be used to summon a demon into this world. And she was going to try and take them all out. Like, I wonder if she had no way of knowing that, but it's interesting to think that like, imagine she subconsciously did and she was going to try and end it all.
1: Maybe so. Maybe like a, a subconscious, um, like what's the like foreboding. Yeah. Feeling of foreboding. Because had she does done that. Say, no, what she happens. does, yeah. I mean, she does say like she is at least consciously aware that like something is not safe about that relationship with the grandmother because she talks about you know explicitly about keeping her son away from her mother. She doesn't she I don't think she's explicit about why but just like oh I kept him away from her but then I gave the, her choice of words is so jarring because she says so then I gave her my daughter you
3: like even let I her, gave her her
1: well but but in in the context of when she's saying that I think it was at the, the therapy group She's not specifically just talking about the breastfeeding. She's she's saying like, oh, I kept my son away from her. But then she sort of kept kept out. of it. So I gave her my daughter, like as in like I gave her up to her yeah. like uh, like she was I, I allowed her to mother my daughter.
0: Well, Charlie said that after she had passed away, she was laying in bed of when uh, Annie was saying you never cried as a baby. You never even cried when you were born. And uh, Charlie had said, you know, Grandma. Always when me wanted me to be a boy, and it was like, oh,
3: mm-hmm.
0: so it's like, you know, again, multiple mm-hmm. watches, you go.
2: Oh. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Right, going back to that dream sequence, too, I really love the way it sets up, like the ants coming through the window and then she follows them. And they're just yeah. like all traveling towards Peter's bedroom. And then they're just all over Peter's face. This there's so much unsettling like imagery in this movie. And it's all done really slowly, subtly, like the camera work. It's all just expertly like made like every every little piece of like the camera moving. It's all deliberate, right? Mm.
0: Until the very end.
2: Well, yeah, but they, they slowly all, bring they. you there, right? <laughs>
1: yeah.
3: And
2: it then definitely un- does. It unravels.
1: Well, I, I want to uh, say that... something about that because when I first saw this movie, like I said, on first watch, I was like, this is amazing. There's This is very special. Um, I, I was lucky enough to see it in the theater and um, I was really surprised because a, a lot of friends, acquaint, friends and acquaintances of mine who saw it told me that right. they didn't care for it. And I was like, what? What is wrong okay. with you? And I... As I probed them about it, I came to realize that they had kind of had not appropriate expectations, and I think part of this had to do with the trailer. Uh, because if you go back and watch the trailer, they kind of put a lot of the disturbing stuff, like they kind of condense it into the trailer, and it it sort of does give you the impression that it's kind of like nonstop craziness, like nonstop scares and just darkness and scariness. Um, and it, it doesn't pan out that way in the actual film. And I think my expectations were more on target because I had just read the cover story on Rue Morgue about mm. Hereditary, which has oh, wow. an, an interview with Ari Aster. So before I even saw the film, I had read this interview in which he spends a lot of time talking about how he doesn't even like the original conception for this film was as a drama. It was not even intended to be a genre film at all. Like it wasn't intended to be a horror film, but as he developed this supposed to be like a family sense. drama about grief. And as he developed it more, he was like, Oh, this could work well with some horror elements added into it. And so it kind of evolved into that, but at its heart, it is a family drama about mm-hmm. grief and suffering and trauma. And so I knew to expect that I knew to expect, you know, more like drama, you know, type storytelling throughout the film. And so I was patient with it. I wasn't expecting horror from the word go. And so I think people who didn't like it did not have that knowledge and they were expecting something different. And I think they felt either bored by it or let down or, oh, this isn't a horror movie or whatever. Um, Whereas I think if their expectations had been managed better, they might appreciate it more for what it is.
0: Well, I, and I think that's why I like Midsummer, um more before this last watching, because like I said before, is like hereditary has become my new favorite Ari Aster movie because it does kick you in the nuts at the very beginning of the movie. It, it really does. I not giving anything away and it kicks you through in the nuts throughout the movie where you're just like Are you
1: talking about Midsummer.
0: I Yeah. yeah, okay. yeah so, so like. It, it, it just kind of like it progresses throughout the movie of like, Jesus Christ, you know, you know, how much more can we take this movie kind of subtly kicks you in the nuts. And it's just like at the very end, it's just one big ball kick and it's going through your throat.
2: OK, I, I think this film is like a perfect definition of what like a slow burn should be
0: mm-hmm.
2: in like a heart like the genre films like, and like mm-hmm.
0: it, it, it's two hours and four minutes and it doesn't feel like it.
1: If, it's not yeah. too long
0: no it's not too long at all really not
2: Mm-mm.
0: it's just it gives that perfect character build you're just like uncomfortable throughout the entire movie you're just like you know what's going on but it's one of those ones you have to watch multiple times you really do you have yeah, to there's watch so many each-
2: little tricks uh, like things they do like I love what they do with the the shadow play in this movie yeah' Where, like when Annie's first in her, her workshop and she's going through her mom's stuff for a second. She puts it away. She turns the light off. And,
0: and there's a mom. The
2: of her mom in the fucking corner. Very faint. Very fucking faint. You might have even missed it the first time you saw it. If it yeah. theory. And she's just like, what the fuck did I just see? She's She can't even move. She mm-hmm. turns the lights on. It's gone. She even says, Mom. And it's gone, yeah. right? And then like, there's other plays. Like we see Charlie later on in Peter's room. There's so much. It makes you start looking in the shadows, right? And then later at the very end, they really play on that when Annie's Possessed actually, by payment. She's crawling on the fucking ceiling.
1: actually in the corner. It's so also. fucking disturbing. That was
0: so awesome. I mean...
1: Well, I was, and did, did it take you guys a few seconds to notice that the first time? It
2: did. Because they do it's, such slow pans with the camera and like... And she's I, totally motionless. I, I, yeah, I, she's I, just I, like clinging. I, I like vividly spider-man.
0: remember um, like when Peter wakes up because he bashes his face into the desk because he's like, he's getting possessed himself. Uh-huh. Uh, when he first wakes up and it transitions into night of really just kind of like, did I just see something crawl behind him? And then like, he goes downstairs and it's like, is that something in the corner? Because they you have
2: see, cathedral like, ceilings too. It's So yeah, like yeah, perfect you see so
0: naked guy with dong swinging around like in the background. And it's just like, it disappeared. You're like, fuck. Yeah. I just saw somebody <laughs> in the freaking
1: ceiling.
2: <laughs> so first time I saw this naked guy with dong, I didn't connect the guy that he was the creepy guy at the funeral. Yes. Who was one was of the followers it? of the cult. Yes. He was the oh, guy staring at Charlie. Charlie. Plenty of people know who Charlie were at the funeral. They all know, who, they all know that she's hosting mm-hmm. Payman. You know, so like they're just they're there waiting. They're watching her like, oh, my God. Look, it's her. So like the first time I saw it, I thought that was a representation of Payman. Just like a creepy oh. dude in the shadow sort of naked like that was him sort of manifesting. He's in he's in Annie, but yeah. he's also there. He's there now. He's going to become real like it's real now. Yeah. And then I realized through other viewings that, oh, no, that was just one of the cult guys. They were all there getting ready for to do the, you know, the seance or whatever, whatever it is. The um well,
0: I guess throughout the ritual. movie, is that more and more, um, more, As you saw more followers. naked people, well, well, you know, more and more of the followers like would come out of the forest. But yeah. I guess it, it was almost like a uh, haunting of Hill House. Right. So so you see like. Ghosts
2: like the ghosts.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So I guess that happened throughout the movie. Jack and the ones
2: in the attic really creep you out, too. They just come out of like the darkness. They're totally nude. Yeah,
0: they're just sitting there and it's just like (laughs) jumps out the window. It was like
2: (laughs) like that. Imagine waiting. They're (laughs) waiting (laughs) like people are still sleeping. (laughs) We're just going to hide here naked. We'll wait. We'll wait.
1: Yeah, they're just like (laughs) lurking. They're (laughs) loitering. I remember the first time I saw this in the theater, I was with my sister-in-law and we were watching it together. And I mean, it was a, it was a pretty packed theater. Um, it was, it might've even been opening weekend, but a lot of people were in the theater to see it. And it was a fun crowd to see it with, like people weren't talking over it too much, but people were emotionally reacting to things <gasps> and kind of gasping. Wow. Exactly. Exactly. Like gasping in the right places and stuff. And it was, a, it was a good communal viewing experience. But I remember when you, when, um, Peter sits up in bed and it's towards the end. And then, You know, you might not notice it right away, but after a few seconds, you notice Annie like up in the upper corner, just like totally motionless up there. And you're like, oh, shit, she's up there. I remember I didn't notice it at first, but somebody in the audience goes, oh, no, (laughs) (laughs) ma'am. And I was like, what? What is she talking about? Oh, shit.
0: I, I like the thing that made me jump again. I've seen this movie four times was when he first got up after he bashed his face into the desk, but you saw Annie crawl across the wall yeah, behind him.
2: He crawls out of the, out of the room.
3: Yeah. yeah. And, and I was like, a little bit. Oh, fuck, I completely
0: forgot about that scene. I was just like, Oh shit. Something ominous is going to happen right now. It kind of
2: floats Now I looked up payment and like oh, some of his abilities. That is some of them like levitating pyrotechnics is some of his abilities, mm-hmm. just like the fire that mm-hmm. burns fucking Steven. Oh, Steve, so, like, because yeah. he has several different abilities that he's supposedly capable mm. of. I know, mm-hmm. but
0: like, I just remember him getting back up and he's calling for mom, dad.
2: And then all I the feel so of- bad for him at that moment. But like, like, he's way, about to say
0: the way Ari a- Aster shot that shot is like him. You, you go from his head getting up and it pans out of him, like, you know, half of his body. But then all of a sudden, in the background, you see this. A human being crawling across the wall and it was like oh my god that was fucking brilliant oh that was so good
3: some of the
1: camera work in this is just really creative and really adds to the sense of like being disoriented and like things just turning upside down um the color
0: palette jacqueline the color palette of this movie was so good i mean (laughs) it it was done sparingly because there was uh, there were some reds there were some blues but like to me a lot of
2: saturation
0: Yeah, but not a lot throughout the movie. I mean, it it just felt aesthetically that it was natural. But then there were some scenes where it's just it got really dark. You know, a lot
2: of it mirrors her her models, too. You know, exactly right. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I love the little moments where like it's nighttime and they show you like a wide shot of the house surrounded by trees. And then like instantly it snaps to daytime and it's almost like seeing like the negative of a photo and then flipping yeah. it over as the, you know, the actual image. And
0: well, going back to that, that shot of when Peter came home after Charlie got decapitated from that, that pole of just him just laying there. And then it almost like dissolved or resolved into daylight. He
2: heard, his eyes still open. He never went to bed. He just yeah, laid. It,
1: it's just like, I mean, yeah, oh,
0: man, that actor was so good too. He was
1: He's so great. Good. I can't wait to see him in more stuff. He's so good. Yeah. Um,
0: like the range yeah. of emotions that he had. You know, the one thing, what, and the one thing that really turned me this time of of going from this movie from uh uh from Midsummer to this movie was there was some levity in Midsummer without giving it away, but like there was no levity in this movie. I didn't laugh. I didn't. The not- only
1: time I ever laughed, and it was kind of a dark laugh, but is when Tony Collette's like, and you're just sitting there with that face, face on, your- on your face. on your face. Which is why I'm so glad you put that on your reach around.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I fucking love that that rant that she does.
0: Right, that, but there were a couple of characters in Midsummer where you kind of go like, ha ha ha. Yeah,
2: how funny. Right. See, I've only seen Midsummer once in the theaters, and I want to watch it again. I have the director's cut. I'm going to rewatch it soon.
1: Mm, I wonder if maybe we'll have an opportunity on the. Yeah, show to
2: mm, but um, <laughs> perhaps but hereditary <laughs> still just going like. I just feel like this is a masterful film to me.
1: I uh, think so too. Think so what too, are too. you?
2: What are your thoughts on like the cult and like the lore of payment? Cause it's you know, like, it's very slowly we learn about it and then it's all just like dropped in our lap at the very end. I,
0: I, I don't think it's really dropped in your lap. I think you get these little, little nuggets yeah. of this is what's going on because you see the symbolism throughout. the mm-hmm. movie. So I, I don't think it's necessarily dropped in your lap. I think, you know, literally it is because you're like, well, I didn't fucking pick up on those symbols. I no. I don't know what it meant. Mm. Um,
2: and the multiple viewings definitely help. I feel like the ending is what kind of makes or breaks this film for some people. Right. Like, whereas I, like it makes it for me. I don't like, I like the ramp up to it. And I think it all makes sense, especially when you view it more than once. You're like, oh, aha. They I, were telling I, I think, us this whole fucking time.
0: I think the first time that you see it at the very end, you know, obviously we've gotten in this movie a lot is that, you know, uh Joan calls um Peter Charlie.
1: Yes. It, that's a that's actually like a major snag for me.
2: Mm-hmm. Why is
0: that though?
1: I it, I don't get it
2: because it's Charlie's soul, I guess. It, like it is,
1: but it's the, not at, supposed at, to be Charlie. Oh, well, she's because she's
2: connected to payment now, I yeah. guess. But, but but she's supposed to be disconnected, she's no, supposed I to guess. be like that's, discarded. They kind of now. shared the body together. Hey, made
0: it perfect, like like you made a perfect point. Is that that uh, Payman was always a part of Charlie mm-hmm. he brought up is that grandma always wished I was a boy um you know uh Charlie died too young but however Payman was trapped into this Peter or just died. calling
2: her Charlie. Peter Payman Charlie in the beginning was he, to help him transition right
0: Peter died he was confused he jumped out the window because he was just trying to end this you
2: see his soul leave him. You mm-hmm. see a black substance sort of yeah. leave, and then it the white shadow. glow. You
0: see, you see this little orb, which, it, yeah, I get. I get, it could be a problem, but that is Charlie going into a male's body to become
2: payment. Right? It's also what? payment. No,
1: it's, I didn't see it it's that payment
0: way. Payment as well, because they use
2: that orb and that lens flare technique several they times. Do in the film
0: many
1: times,
2: yeah, to signify payment's presence in the room or or around one of the family members, which I actually love.
1: So I, I'd like to take this opportunity since you asked Hydra to talk about what I alluded to in my, um, mm-hmm. in my fucks or sucks commentary, which is about what I said about it kind of like starting to fall apart a little at the end and me urging it, don't stop, please. Um, I think, I think that is mostly due to a feeling of like not really understanding like the so-called rules of like how payment works basically like it 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 feels like there are a lot of aspects to this that are portrayed in the film like there's a lot of threads that have to get woven together and especially on a first or i would say even second viewing i think it's really hard to to like get all those threads woven together and understand like the cohesive like fabric um, and so, even through two viewings, it I, I felt like there were loose threads that I I know were intentional by Ari Aster, but it was hard for me to make sense of them. And I think a weakness that I have as a film viewer is that I'm very uncomfortable with ambiguity. I feel the mm-hmm. need to like don't perfect- watch any
2: David Lynch then.
1: Yeah, it's, so yeah, David Lynch is hard for me because it's like I want to make sense of every detail, yeah, and I want to know be- like <laughs> what did he mean by this. Um, and so I'm very uncomfortable with a feeling of like, I, it's hard for me to just like accept something as mm-hmm. like creating a feeling or not having a specific answer. Do you know what I mean? And yep. so it, it's hard for me in this movie. Cause I feel like there are a lot of threads to it and I, I'm not able to like tie them all up. And so I've, so I think at least the first two times i saw this i felt like it was kind of a flaw of the movie that it's like too much is going on here that it's like not reasonable to like expect a viewer to like put it all together so for example the charlie thing like the fact that he calls her charlie and just amongst the three of us we're having a little bit of disagreement about like what that means and what is charlie's soul doing or is this payment and who's entering whom um i didn't really understand how payment works I feel like I understand it more after this third viewing but still it's like I have to really talk myself through it to like cement it in my brain and be like okay so he does this and this does this but it's like okay so it seems like he can just hop from body to body well then why does it say that he needs a male body why doesn't it work with Charlie why can't he just continue inhabiting Charlie um why this thing with fire like when, when Tony Collette throw, starts to throw the book in the fire, her arm catches fire and then she puts it out and then she's fine. But then when she fully throws it in, then Gabriel Byrne catches on fire. Like, what is this about? And how does it work? What are the rules here? It just feels like anything can happen. Um, and like, oh, anybody can be possessed. Multiple people seem to be able to be possessed at a given moment, maybe. Um, so it's just, it's, it's like a lot to put together, I guess is what I'm saying. And so... Um, like I said, the first couple of times I, I kind of felt like I wanted to blame Ariaster Aster for that. Like, okay, you've thrown everything, but the kitchen sink in here. But this third time I feel a lot better about it. And so I yeah. feel like, um, I'm, I'm, I don't blame him really. I feel like I just needed to like get smarter. <laughs> so It's
2: a lot to take in first time, especially in a theater. It is.
1: And even, even the second time it's like, I feel yeah. like I need to write things down. Like, okay. So when she speaks the words that's what brings payment into um alex what's his kid peter's body like that's what really like conjures him up and that's when peter really starts going off the rails and it like the first time honestly i didn't really fully put it together that payment had been inhabiting charlie's body the whole time Like, I thought she was like, I thought it was just like misdirection They're like, oh, she's a weird kid. And you think she's going to be the evil thing in this movie. But then she dies and you're all your expectations are subverted. But I, I didn't really put it together. Like, she no, was like she's not just a weird kid. For grandma. She's a what?
2: Like a placeholder. Like grandma put payment in. Yeah. Her.
1: That's a good and way to, that's a to good way to time
2: to eventually get it into Peter yeah. because she was not allowed to get to Peter at a young age or whatever. Mm-hmm.
3: I think
0: they were looking for the biggest bitch. And to me, it was the biggest Peter
2: what? bitch. He's calling Peter a bitch.
0: <laughs> he was such oh, a little, well, he was such a little bitch.
2: I mean, he, he's cried. a very complex kid. I don't think right?
1: he's a bitch. He cried so. all
0: the
2: time. Well, he did, but dude, look at, dude his, his upbringing was really really fucked up
1: jesus christ his his mom conjures up his even charlie his mom tried to
2: burn him alive
1: i mean come on like charlie doesn't cry about
2: that no and never really came to grips with it i feel like as a family like they never really discussed it like that scene at the dinner table like like, i'm just kidding like that kind of scene you're a kind of conversation didn't happen often enough where they actually aired shit out most families Mm -hmm. don't air shit out
1: no. That's why we have
2: grief and regret when people pass away because we're like, I should have said I, something about how I felt. I get that. I, I think you're not, so
1: right, Hydra Bird. I'm,
0: I'm not making fun of that. I'm just it's saying. It's a film that
2: definitely deals with grief. Like mm-hmm. really well. he
0: goes, well, you shouldn't let her go to the party.
2: Well, also, he never told her it was a party. Like he told her it was it was a function,
1: like a school barbecue a school or something, thing, right? Where
2: she would not a party, but, but obviously I yeah, mom like, probably know that it's a party. I mean, but that,
0: during the argument, he he goes, well, you shouldn't let her go to the
2: party.
1: Yeah, he
0: did. But like that.
2: Jacqueline said, also, Annie has been wrapped up in her work, and she uses that as a means to sort of escape her family. I get that. Yes. So yeah. There's so much dynamics going on. In this
1: I couldn't agree with you more. And I think that that is like the key, like the fact that everybody kind of sweeps things under the rug. I think that mm-hmm.
2: denial
1: and avoidance is the reason that when tragedy really strikes and Charlie is killed I think that's why like some families going through that would like really band together and be stronger and support each other to get through it but this family like totally detaches and unravels and destroys itself it's like kind of an Ouroboros type scenario like a like a snake eating its own tail like this family is eating itself alive I, that's agree. Why.
0: I agree with you guys wholeheartedly because the one thing that, that tries to hold this together is Steve. Yeah. Because he that's tries to stop Annie from like, you know, attacking the son, you know, he touches his hand son and he tries to eat something and his head just goes limp, you know, and the shot is like, you know, backed up at the dinner table as she walks away and he just, you know, he's like, I don't know what else to do. <laughs> he yeah. And family together. It
2: even says, too, like if this thing brought us together, but it didn't. it It's made us right. even worse. Like and I can't even stand to look at you
3: mm-hmm. because of
2: that look you have on your face. The face, the face on, on your, face. your face. I love yeah. the way she says that. I don't know if that was actually written like that or hopefully there's some trivia about that. Or if she just like said it that way, but it's so I, powerful. I don't have trivia about right. that. I
1: wish I did, but I agree with you. It seems like an ad lib.
2: Yeah. So I, I hope, also I love that know. last scene, the way this movie ends. It's a recreation of the nativity scene. I never picked up on it the first time. Yeah. Most nativity scenes are like triangular, right? With the rooftop, Jesus being held up or like the three wise men and Mary and like if you look at that scene it ends as if it's like a nativity scene Well is it a
1: nativity or a crucifixion or both I took it, it as a nativity effigy,
2: scene like the nativity I think It could be
1: I think it could be both cuz yeah, Peter's there but also yeah. The effigy with Charlie's like rotted head is there too. Yeah. And that looks like a crucifix. It could be both. Almost. Actually, yeah. And maybe Peter is like the baby Jesus, but yeah, the effigy okay. is the that, crucified that makes, Jesus. That makes that makes
2: it even more complex of an image. Uh, it does look I'm like they're worshipping
1: him like a savior. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: Can we talk about the most brutal part of the movie? Is um <laughs> Annie banging her head against the um no, her cutting walk. her head off
2: with the fucking wires. Oh god.
1: Oh my god. That is maybe it's the most way. like upsetting thing.
2: Which I've is seen. followed right before that is the scene that you're talking about.
1: But all That's of that together, me, all though. of it, all of it together is yeah. like
3: it's just, it's just like
0: mom, stop. And, and like him drooling out like the way it was shot is so gross. he's like, I'm
2: dreaming. I'm dreaming. Yeah. He and turns to wake himself. And then you hear you just hear it very slowly. Yes. Fucking that scene stuck with me since and, I think, and,
0: and the, way, the way, the camera just scanned up, and it was just like, zh, zh. and then all of a sudden, zh, 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 zh. and he She's jumped floating up. in midair. Yeah. And,
1: well. Yeah. And well, he, a couple of things about. Oh, sorry, John. Go ahead.
0: But
2: but you hear the head drop. Ah. Like, zh, zh, zh. Oh, you hear it after he's jumped out the window.
0: Exactly. Yeah, oh, I Love. Oh my god.
2: Which I I picked up on the second time. Which is one of my things that I love about this film is the fucking sound design is so expertly done.
1: Yes. Well, and I and I also love the the way that it's shot. Like you hear the noise of her sawing her head off with the piano wire. But before you see what is causing that sound, you see a dawning look of horror on Peter's face as, as he, he sees right what we're about to see, that he just looks absolutely like shaken to his core. Petrified. So you, you're you like, oh, fuck, what is he seeing? And like your imagination runs amok. And then. I think what you actually see is for once worse than what my imagination did. Um, but so there's like little details about both of those things that the, both the, the, the piano wire and Annie banging her head on the, the door of the attic.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, there's a few things that I, I find are, that are just so like carefully done. So first of all, just the concept of your own mother, like chasing you through the house, like a fucking yeah. lion, but you have to like run as fast as you can to like clam- clamber up this um, ladder and like slam the door shut and immediately like the moment you get it shut you hear this banging and you assume it's her banging with her hand But then you see her and it's her head. And it's not just her banging her head. It is her banging her head inhumanly fast. (laughs) Like, seriously, I think like in real life, that could not be physically possible to bang your head that fast against a wall. So it's this like really unsettling feeling of like a nightmare. Like this is not possible and yet it's happening. And similarly, a little detail when she's cutting her own head off, it's like, like you guys said, first it starts slow, like and then it gets a little faster and it's like but then by the end it's so fucking fast right like i don't know why that's scary but it's just like so inhumanly fast and she is cutting her own head off and jacqueline
0: I, I i agree with you i think the one thing was is that it, this movie wasn't overly gory but that was really gory because you saw the blood spurting out as she was doing that like, 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 there was some gore to this movie. Yeah. I'm, I'm not saying that that there wasn't gore to this movie. Mm-hmm. It wasn't mm-hmm. overly gory. Yeah, but I agree. I, I, I think what she was doing when she was taking this piano wire to her neck, it was just, it was so slow, and you saw the blood just kind of spurting out. And when she went faster, you saw it spurting out even more, and you're just like, whoa, that's even more shocking.
1: Mm-hmm. And then you see, like, I mean, there's so much decapitation in this film. Like you also see the headless body of the mother in the attic. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: You know what that reminds me of? I love this, this like trick that like something that is like a key to everything has been under your nose the whole time, but you don't find onto the end. So like that mother's body has been up there the wh- almost the whole time. And it, it's like kind of a callback to Early in the film, the dad gets a phone call from the funeral home that there's been a desecration and you okay. hear this, but yeah. you don't know what it is and you kind of forget about it. Mm-hmm. Like it's never mentioned again. He and hides then- it from Annie. Exactly. And then she finds the body in that. But so it reminds me of um, the movie Saw. Yeah. Okay. I'm just going to spoil all kinds of shit here. So if you haven't seen <laughs> Saw, stop listening. But in Saw... The, the killer is in the room the whole fucking time, but you think he's a dead body. And also in the movie Black Christmas, where Claire, you're the first girl to get killed, she's right there sitting in a rocking chair in the window the whole time and nobody sees her, but it's right there. Uh, and I just I love that, that something was right under your nose and nobody knows.
2: It's me, it. Billy. I'm just calling in (laughs) just to let you guys know I've been thinking about you.
1: (laughs) Elvis Billy Presley. That's his full
2: name. No, you're absolutely right. Like, that's the symbol. The symbolism has been used several times. It's on the fucking doormat. It's on her nightie. It's on her necklace. It's on. Uh, it's countless all other your, things I probably on, even know under your nose. The whole yeah. no, 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 it was on the, it on was the, on the
0: bed frame for uh, on Charlie. The bed frame,
2: yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, Charlie's bed. The, the it's everywhere one. and Annie was not even aware of it. Like it just, yeah. just like it she was kno- just, know
1: she knew it was a thing that her mother wore, but she, I guess, never concerned herself with what it means.
2: And that her mother was like so high in that, like the she was some um, queen they called her. Like yeah. she was basically like the leader of this fucking cult. Like yeah, it's like she crazy.
0: she couldn't be. Uh, Paymon or whatever it was. I don't, I don't
2: think they have a king maybe in this cult because they seem to focus on the women. Right. And like the men. Can be a few like, men. So they, like, there, is but... their king, it seems like. So yeah, I don't think yeah. they would uh, appoint a king like to it.
3: That's
1: true. Yeah, so, that's a good call. What
0: good was call. the grandson? For Joan, was that just like a week? I don't change? think that was a real thing
2: at all.
1: I think it was a story. Okay. So here's a piece way- of trivia. I didn't yeah. notice this, but I read it in the trivia. Okay. In the scene where Annie runs into Joan outside the art supply store. Um, I mean, to me, to me, it seems like that was all kind of predestined for Joan to like accidentally run into her and tell her about the thing. But you can see in the back of Joan's car, the ch- there's a chalkboard there. Uh, and you remember she tells a story she's like oh i did the, the chalkboard is my link to scotty or whatever his yeah. name is and it's like oh i did this ritual oh you'll never believe it but, but really it's all bullshit like the chalkboard so is was in the moving car
2: stuff though was that payment i'm I'm guessing
1: uh, yeah i think so
2: okay oh okay yeah that's where things get a little confusing the
1: chalkboard was was just it was all bullshit she yeah, was she buying was it, it for, the, for the show for the show
2: It was all a scam to get everybody in the right place at the right time. Charlie's head was supposed to hit that pole. Yes. They put the deer in the road in order to, you know, for Peter, because it's like as if they knew everything was going to happen.
0: That's okay. I'm I'm fine with that.
1: Well, so I think that actually leads to what I think. So I think there's like two main, like central themes in this film. And this leads to one of them, which is like, I think this film is talking about like the inevitability of like your family and that can like, you can inherit like curses. I mean, figuratively, Mm -hmm. of course, from your family, but like you can inherit trauma and you can inherit like a whole family dynamic that's dysfunctional. Like you can't really escape what you're born into. And I think that that makes the title really important. It's like, there are certain things that you are born into and born with and that are born inside of you that like you don't have control over and there are certain things that happen in life that like are a product of that 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 you we like to think we have control, right? Like we like to think that we like, like
2: predestined for it. Yeah,
1: exactly. So like we like to believe that we create the person that we are. Like, who do I want to be? Who do I? choose? What is the person I'm going to create? What is the life I'm going to create? What is the future I'm going to create? But like in some ways, that's not under your control. And so I think th- I think that's something that this movie is is saying. That like Tony Collette's character has inherited these like yes in this movie it's like sort of this almost like a curse of this like cultish thing that's happening where they're trying to conjure a demon and like outside of her control her children are being involved in this but like in a real life kind of parallel like that can be any number of things like this tendency toward like avoidance and denial that they practice that's like a family tri- like by her doing that she's passing that on mm-hmm. to her she's teaching them that this is how families function right so like the chances are high that when uh, Peter grows up and has his own family, well, he's not going to, but if this were a real life thing, you know, like Peter and Charlie would grow up and that's how they would function in their families, and it would go on and on, unless you make like a really conscious and difficult effort to like break that, you know, but that's really hard to do. So I think that's like a central theme here is like the inevitability. And there's even like one or two scenes at, at Peter's school where they're talking about literature, and they do this in Halloween right? Where they're talking about like, oh, fate, fate decides everything for you. Know, like when Laurie's in class, in English class, Yeah, but they do it here too, where they're talking about like, um, oh shoot, which um, some Sophocles play, but um, they're talking about like inevitability and that you don't really have control over your fate. So <laughs> I think that's one of the, the big main things. And, and I think the other main theme of this movie is just like, uh that like grief and unresolved sorrow like unravels a family
0: and i think that's how the movie explains itself like like any problems you may have with the movie is that there's an inevitability of you know it may be hereditary or it may be grief you know it's just like everything else you just go okay maybe it's fantasy i may have a problem with this but it could be part of by a family lineage of whatever, you
3: know. Yeah, that's
2: an excellent point, Jacqueline.
1: Thank you.
0: So, yeah. but but I also think that it explains any kind of problems you may have with this movie. It explains it away.
1: Yeah. So I, I to be honest, I don't really have like the problems that I felt I used to have with it. I no longer really do. Like I used to, I used to blame Ari Aster for my lack of understanding, and now I just blame myself. So. <laughs>
2: He's yeah. too smart for all of us. That's I still can't believe this is his first like film.
1: I know it's amazing. Well this is I- like
2: this feels like a third or fourth film for some directors, but they got to that point where they made that that really quintessential film in their uh, career. I just want to get it that. first try.
0: I want to review it. Uh, okay. i want to give scores.
1: Okay, you guys ready? Or do you uh, have any major things? God, no, man. I'm
2: pretty
0: good. Uh, yeah, I think uh yeah. Okay. I, think you, I think you know where I'm going with this one.
1: I have a feeling. I would be absolutely shocked to shit if you were like, eh, I'd give it a two. <laughs> yeah,
0: no, I'm giving so, it a zero. So. I'm oh, oh, sorry. No, no. So.
1: Hydroberg, yeah. this was your pick. So why don't you hit us first with your review?
2: I will. Uh, I, I have some pros. I have many of them, to be honest. Uh, I try, I won't try and say all of them so I could save some for you guys. But the cinematography in this film is so well done. It's one of the things I remember the most. About this film, besides just the plot and the acting, but the like every motion of the camera and the lens, like I said before, is so deliberate and calculated, and it all just enhances the storytelling so well. Like every image that's put on screen is deliberate and just like meant to show you something, and, and you don't always catch it all. But the slow pans reveal a room a certain way where, like, all right, we see the room, it's it, it gives us the setting, but watch it again. And look to the left. Look to the right. You're gonna notice little fucking things that you just didn't notice the first time. And it's part of the storytelling too, which is so good. It's it's a it's well crafted. Um, I'm just. It's an amazing first feature length film for Arias, and his name was instantly tattooed on my brain ever since I saw this. Um, Jacqueline, I saw this in the theaters, and I wrote on Instagram after. Just got out of Hereditary. I don't know whether I like it or don't like it because I wasn't. I w- didn't know what I saw yet. I was like but i know i need yeah. to digest it like i need i need to think about this film like i just mm-hmm. wasn't sure yet right and then i ended up it grew on me i was just like no that was a phenomenal film like i knew it was a good made film i just didn't know how i felt yet about it cuz i was just sure. like still in awe of like what i saw i was just like this was like something else um the sound design and score are just so impressive they create such an atmosphere like there's little tiny things that cue in like ding dong ding like things that just set a tone for you in in certain scenes that like, uh, it's just so well done. Um, and I do, I love a good cult film. And this is like a sneaky one, right? It like sneaks the cult stuff in there slowly. And I love the way the story just unravels like as a slow burn for me. It, it It's awesome. The last 15 minutes, they make this film for me. It. I know some people don't like the last part of the film. Like some people criticize it. Literally, that's where it loses some people. I don't know, I guess because it transitions into something else. Uh, they weren't expecting to me. I fucking love it. It goes it just turns everything upside down. You're just like, what the fuck is going on? And uh, but it but it earns it, in my opinion. It doesn't just do it out of the blue. Uh, and my last point I want to make is the acting in this film is top tier. In my opinion, the supporting cast is excellent. Um, And can we just agree that Toni Collette is like fucking God tier in this film? Like her acting is so fucking good. I just can't believe that she wasn't. I think it's a damn travesty. She wasn't nominated for an Oscar or at all. Like it's fucking
1: ridiculous. Fuck. It's an it's an insult. I
2: seriously think she brings like some of the best acting I've ever seen her put on screen, Mm -hmm. in my opinion. Dealing with grief in a film is so hard to do. I feel like as a dramatic actor and like she nails it, man. She fucking nails it. There's so many stages to grief, and she shows you so many of them. And she's ah, just as a mother and just like so powerful of a, of a role for me. Um, so those are my pros, my cons. There's a couple of convenient story elements, I feel like, that help wrap up the film in the end. You know, like Annie not calling the cops right away instead of just waiting for Steve to get home. Like you could have called the cops. There was a body of
1: Oh, the the body.
2: Okay. Yeah, like you found the body upstairs. Why didn't you call the cops? But I understand also, like, I don't know, she wanted to show Steven and like there were other like Stephen not calling the cops either, for that matter. After, like, you know, the 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 grave has been desecrated. She he didn't get the authorities involved in that, it seemed like he didn't tell Annie about it. But you know, it all kind of services the fact that like he didn't want to disrupt the family. He's always trying to keep the family together. Um, like with Charlie's um uh, Peter not calling an ambulance at the party for his sister, and instead trying to be a hero and drive her to the hospital seems a little odd. But at the same time, I feel like as a teenager, you might not want to—you might not want to be the guy that brought police to the party because you don't want to be the downer that everybody's going to talk about the next day at school. So he's like, "I'll he just take stoned. my sister away from the situation." He's yeah, he stoned was- as well. And it was also a gripping scene just to see him holding his sister tight and trying to protect her and save her. So it added to the drama of that scene. So I could forgive it. So honestly, I fucking love this film. And because of that, I think it's one of the best horror films in the past decade. Um, and so I'm going to give it a 10 out of 10.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Our first nonverbal um, unit of rating. Uh,
0: Jacqueline, I'm going to do derf- defer to you
1: next all right How are you
0: feeling about hereditary
1: well i i just i it's unbelievable to me how many things this film does well and i mean i dare say even perfectly i mean i echo every single thing Hyderberg said on the pro side um this really just personally hits a lot of the buttons that i like to be pushed um i really really like like Heidegger, I really like movies about cults. And I really like movies involving like Satan worshiping or demon worshiping or anything like that. I-, I love that. So if it's a cult for demon worshiping, I am all fucking in. Um, I think it's really brilliant the way that this film is like mainly a drama. I mean, there are moments of intense horror sprinkled throughout the beginning, like Charlie's death. Um, and I mean, just little things sprinkled throughout that you like you're unsettled, but it still feels like a dark drama with with some like suspense elements. But then the way it just goes absolutely fucking apeshit by the end. I mean, I remember sitting in that theater and I felt like I was being pushed back in my seat. I was like glued to my seat, just like staring at the screen because I could not believe how far it was descending into total chaos. Like, when gabriel burn it like spontaneously combusts and then annie is like chasing peter through the house and he's running up the ladder to the attic and she's fucking banging her head on the door and then sawing her head off and then there's all the naked people and he runs out the window and then her <laughs> headless body levitates into the treehouse, and then there's fucking charlie's head i mean it's just like it keeps going and going and go- and i just like I mean, I was just staring at the screen like, I can't believe <laughs> how far this is going. Um, I fucking loved it. Um, I mean, that was like just magic for me. It was movie magic. It's exactly what I look for in a film. All the acting was incredible. Tony Collette, I mean, God tier, as you said, Heidelberg. Um, I'm frightened by things that seem that like just seem wrong, like the, the speed with which she was banging her head. I was talking about this earlier, the speed with which she, no, not just wrong, but like insane. Like things like that-
2: Crawling feel, on the ceiling?
1: Yeah, like things that feel insane or or things that make me feel like I'm going insane as I'm watching them. That's That's really it. That's to be precise. That's what it is. I just pinpointed it. Things that make me feel like I'm going insane when I'm watching a film, that's like the best button to push for me that's like the g-spot for me and watching a (laughs) horror movie so um I I just and and as I explained before I have come to feel as though like I used to think that it was Ari Aster who was like getting a little bit messy with all these threads and I was kind of thought like oh he didn't he needs to like clean that up he should have cleaned that up a little bit and made like like tied up the threads for me or whatever um, I just don't feel that way anymore. Um, I feel like he knows exactly what he's doing, and it's just if 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 it seems too complex, it's it's the viewer's fault, and by that I mean me. So I I I feel like this is a very special movie. Um, I think a movie like movies like this do not come along this often. So I'm going to give it a ten out of ten. <laughs> I think that's only my second one ever. Johnny, what
3: about
0: you? Yes, ma'am. We haven't mentioned Gabriel Byrne a lot. Um, He's awesome. The role he plays in this of Steve is very subdued. But the progression of his character throughout the movie is so wonderful. Um, I agree with you both. I mean, aesthetically, this looked beautiful. The shots were great. The score was fantastic. The fact that they had a Judy Collins song at the very end of the movie for the credits was yes. was phenomenal. Um, God, how could you not call this movie perfect? Uh, I, I told you at the beginning that I had seen Midsummer first, and something hit with that hit me with that movie that I just loved, and I put it into my top five uh, in a previous life. Um, I've seen this movie four times and uh, Midsummer has moved down. Not to say I, I love it any less, but um, I love Hereditary more. Uh, just everything about this movie is a must watch. It's not an easy watch, but I am going to give it, let's see, hmm, what could I give it? Uh, 10 out of 10.
2: Oh my God.
1: Hello. <laughs> this is our
2: first triple ten right here. It is. That's
1: amazing. I did not anticipate that, to be honest. And I. I thought but...
2: Jacqueline was going to come in with like a 9.5. So did I. I, I, I
0: thought, I thought about it. I thought Jacqueline was going to go low end on this. But man, I mean, it's just like this
2: movie is so. It just feels wrong to harp on anything <sighs> negative about this film because it's yeah. just so well made. OK,
1: I, I think I, even I, just as a drama, I think it functions so well. Like you feel so much pathos for the characters like It like I feel so sad.
0: Let me ask watching
1: parts of this movie, you know? Like it's not just I don't just feel fear and horror. I feel like real sorrow.
0: Right. Watching what the
1: family goes through.
0: We've all seen this multiple times, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. All three of us. Three times for me. Yeah, this is my fourth time. So I mean, like (laughs) for me, it's just like you pick on different like the one thing we didn't mention was the model of the
2: house at the bottom of the stairs. That yes. changing- I wanted to before, but I didn't see an opportunity to do it's like it. Like
1: Multiple levels. And they had like
2: decrepit houses we're with like houses earth, on houses. Like, yeah, like earth impacted on them. And then the perfect house at the top.
1: Right. But how dope was
0: that? Because the lights were on in there, too. Like as the lights were housed uh, on in the house. And it was just like those little, little.
2: you could look at a table at a coffee table book of just the model homes. That they used for this film, like I want to see, yeah, like I want to see Annie's see work in a coffee table book.
1: Do you think that that house with the different levels and the like—it's nice at the top, but then it's like kind of fucked up below. Do you think yeah. that represents like those successive generations that, like, Maybe. the old—the old ones are decaying away, and now we're on the new one? Or I feel like I it represents know, something
2: definitely because well, the perfect house is at the top, right? Yeah. Then everything else behind under it it is like I saw the porch was all fucked up on one of them and it was all compacted with earth. And yeah, I think it does have some meaning to it.
0: Yeah. It's just those little nuances that you pick up, pick up in the movie. You know, you don't see the symbols the first time, you know, you don't realize what the symbols are until it's like they actually show you, you know, the, 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 the pictures of grandma and, and, and Joan wearing these same things. You know what I mean?
2: Yeah, or like grandma and her like ceremony thing, like being praised by everybody, and like she's in like the best time of her life. You could see the picture; like she's so happy, mm. uh, as if like her her daughter Annie's never seen her mother that happy before. Exactly, mm. it's like a whole other side of her mom she's never fucking seen. Yep, true.
1: Well, I I love how like the mo- we never see Annie's mother alive nah. in the movie, but she. Fi- like her, we feel her influence the throughout the whole thing. It's like she's more present, being mm-hmm. a lot, being dead than she was alive. Like Annie finds out more about her after she's dead than she ever did while she was alive. And like, as an audience member, we we feel her like manipulating things and having Which, that influence on life. It
2: kind of lends towards the fact that like we can we can understand Annie too because like. What was her mom like when she was around? Like the fact that she's so involved right now, and she's not even here anymore. Well, you get the imagine st- when she was around, how much she affected Annie's life. Right, or yeah. Annie tried not to let her.
0: Well, 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 Annie like developed the settings of everything that was going on throughout the movie in these dollhouses. And there was one scene where it was like uh, Steve and Annie were sleeping in bed, but the mom was standing there with a the lighter, and it was just like. And then Annie looked at, you know, the doll of the mom and it was just like anger, you know? Just yeah. Oh,
2: I love that anger. scene where there's like a contrast of like just a dollhouse, And then it hands yeah. Yeah. out to Annie's head. And then we see from the other side, we see right. Annie looking in on the dollhouse. I right.
0: Yeah. So, so Annie's like looking at this doll of her mom while Steve and Annie dolls are laying in bed and she's looking at it just like so angrily of like, you know, just shakes her head of like that.
2: that scene could be played. Like, oh, her mom had dementia at the end. So she was wandering around the house. Maybe but we know as audience members, something way more nefarious was going on. Exactly. Yes.
1: Yeah. So, so there's like levels to everything. There's like what Annie thinks she understands versus what we know is like really going on and like how they finally converge. All
2: right. So when I saw this film, a coworker of mine took her kids Oh, no. Um, yeah. Wait, how old well, she, were the kids? Her kids liked horror films, but they didn't. She didn't know how this was going to be. They were like uh, they were above 10. They're like 12 and 13. But uh, or something. Uh, yeah, I don't know. So I, the son ended up yikes. the last 15 minutes. He ended up watching the movie through his hands. Oh, boy. He, like teary eyed, like because he was so fucking scared. Oh, my and God. And then after the film, I because I they were in like a, a row of front in front of me, like in between, like where the theater has like a space for you to walk. I was in like the first row of the back. And then they were in the last row of the front. And I, they waved to me when the film was about to start. And I was like, hey, guys, you know, because we happen to be going to the same theater. Mm-hmm. And then like when the film was over, I walked up to them and she was like, he could not watch the end. He was uh, like, it was too much for him. And I was like, you're all right, buddy. And he just had this look on his face like he just had jumped out of an airplane. Like he was just like <laughs> Like, What did I just watch? And I'm like, it's OK, buddy. And for me, I equate this movie with like the first time as a kid, I saw The Exorcist like that last 20 minutes of The Exorcist. There's a good portion of before that where The Exorcist is fucked up. But that last part is just like so memorable. Mm -hmm. And I saw The Exorcist when I was like 10. So I could relate with that kid. Yeah, I didn't scold her like, oh, you shouldn't have brought him here. Like you do what you want with your kids. But definitely the film got a little too much for him.
0: How about that though? How about that ending though? It was that funny. It, it it was the grandma who was you know a corpse with their head cut off, turned towards uh was it, Paimon or whatever his name was? Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, the mom that had just cut off her head turned towards him and bowing
2: her bowing him. yeah
0: as everybody, and th- that was just those little subtleties that 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 were like, man, that was fucked up.
2: <laughs> like the what grandmother's I- go ahead, cut Jack.
1: Oh, I was gonna say, what do you guys make of all this decapitation? Like, there's a lot of decapitation. I, there is. You're, I mean. actually,
2: you're absolutely like, right.
1: Like, what? Like, she cuts off the bird's head. Was that like a tenon
2: of the- of, uh, of fucking? payments I didn't I didn't I do too know. much research into it. I think it
0: was just foreshadowing I thought I just, that's all it was
1: but like why why does why do so many people literally lose their heads like I feel like it has to mean so- see this is me I can't just like accept that it is what it is it's like what does it and mean of
2: the director you think like because of how he works like it probably does it must mean, mean something, something. Yeah. I
1: just don't know what it is so here yeah but see, but here I am I've grown I'm blaming myself and my own stupidity not Ari Aster so um, would have you guys, guys like to hear some
0: a trivia? picture of him? Oh. I, I would. It, and by the way, Hyderberg, let's get Ari Aster on the uh, podcast. Let's oh, I mean, him. he's what listening did? now.
1: So Ari, give us a call, get, you know, tweet me yeah, and have your we'll people get, call my people. We'll get you on. We'll we'll fit you in. OK, Ari.
2: Have you ever guys ever seen a picture of him? <laughs> though he's just like a such a plain Jane looking dude. And then the shit that's in this guy's head is just remarkable. Like the stuff he puts down on paper and in film.
0: Well, I would he's, suggest if you've like ever
1: he's been through some shit,
0: if you've ever been through a breakup, watch *Midsummer*.
2: <laughs> oh, yeah. My and there's the payment. lore in general, when I was looking it up today, it was just like, this is stuff that hasn't really been touched on by a lot of horror films. And I thought yeah, it it's cool real. The way he worked it in. Yeah. The way he yeah. worked it into a family drama is very oh, interesting.
0: Heidenberg. Hold on. I think Jacqueline's got trivia about that. Oh, yeah. So to...
1: like, that's real. He didn't just like make this up for the film. Like it's that's mm-hmm. a real mythological demon or something that he just
2: used for the story yeah.
1: but yeah do you guys want to hear some some trivia
3: Please.
1: Yeah, you I mean. all right lob
2: our heads off with that trivia
1: i will love your <laughs> i will love your head off so can- tony yeah. collette before doing this film, um, had told her agent that she didn't want to do any more heavy dark films and only wanted to do comedies but the script for hereditary was so good that she was like all right i can't put it down so yeah seriously thank god i don't know who else could have done what she did. What's up, John?
2: John, you could have done it.
0: (laughs) I did notice at the end of the movie that Gabriel Byrne and uh, Tony Collette were actually executive producers.
1: Producers. I had never noticed that before this viewing either.
2: I love Gabriel Byrne from a film called usual suspects.
0: Fuck. Yes. Oh my (laughs) God.
2: Yes. Which is a film I've loved since I was young.
0: Right. But they were
2: executive producers
0: on this movie. That's
2: how much they believed in this film. I'm sure they were like, I want to get involved. Absolutely.
0: Yeah. Sorry. Go ahead, Jacqueline.
1: Um, Tony Collette has called Ari Aster the most prepared director that she's ever worked with. And she praised him. Yeah, she praised him for practically having the full movie already shot and edited in his head two years before they even started filming. And I'll tell you, so I bought this beautiful like sort of collector's book from Mm -hmm. a screenplay from a- yeah it's some um, the screenplay from A24 um if you're listening you can't hear this i mean you can't see this but um i'm just showing the guys on zoom it's
2: beautiful guys it's shiny
1: it is shiny it's like a nice solid hardback book with like glossy photos and thick pages um but just reading the screenplay it's it's unbelievable i mean i haven't read a lot of screenplays but the level of detail in his writing is really something I mean you can tell that he is seeing this movie play out in his imagination and he's just like he's like watching a movie in his head and then just writing down on paper what he sees I mean it is so detailed and it like what it says on the page is like so it so perfectly matches what happens on the screen that you're like oh he really like ma-. like just little emotions like he he's he specifies like what emotions everybody is feeling when they're saying their lines. Um, and like the scene where Gabriel Byrne is like listening to um, Annie go off on what she thinks is happening. He's just like weary and exhausted from the whole, th- I mean, he he like lays out everything that everybody's feeling and her desperation. It's just so detailed. That's like, that I can really see. Yeah. I can really see what Tony Klaue is talking about with his, his determination.
2: I don't even know how much grief he's gone through, but he writes it. Well, also like he wrote like a mother's role pretty well for a man. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like, it's really good, like mm-hmm,
3: especially mm-hmm. if a lot
2: of the details are already in there.
1: Yeah, and it seems like a matriarchal kind of thing, like Annie's mother and her that relationship, and then Tony Collette and and Charlie, like that mother daughter relationship. And No spoilers, a lot but of like... if you
2: follow that through to Midsummer, there's a lot of that in there too.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, Some yeah, he, he does write write good women. Um, Ari Aster wanted any effect that could be done practically to be done that way, rather than in post production.
2: Nice. Thumbs up, um, buddy. Yeah.
1: So Gabriel Byrne and Alex Wolf had previously worked together on some HBO show. I didn't write down what it was, but um, and then Alex Wolf and Millie Shapiro knew each other from school. They both went to like a professional, like kind of performing arts school. Um, and so the producer said that that really worked out well because it made Tony Collette the outsider among the cast, oh. and so that kind of worked with this like dynamic where she's like really detached from the family, right? Um, and so it like mirrors her feelings of alienation, uh, the house, uh, that the, that the story takes place in was constructed completely on like sound stages, um, in Utah because they needed to be able to like remove walls and move things around in order to shoot them to look like the dollhouse, like to kind of zoom in from like a side view. So it was all sound stages. Like, I guess the exterior was a real house, but the interior was all sound stages. So that's the-
3: on the end.
0: That's why we gave it a 10. I mean, that's so beautiful. The way the. Oh, yeah.
2: It's so yeah. thought out and yeah, methodical. It everything really is. And you could okay. tell in the end when she's running from room to room. Yep. You could. That's when you could really see that the set. The house was kind of a set, you know, but yeah. it doesn't it doesn't look like it. But you could just tell the way the camera's moving around. Like, oh, OK, if yeah. you know movies, you know that. Yeah.
1: You couldn't do that if it were a real yeah. interior of a house, and so well, I kind when, of like.
0: Yeah, when he runs up to the attic and you see those naked people, and was just like, "How the fuck they could? Oh my god!
2: Yeah. They opened yeah. the attic actually because it was closed originally when he walks through the hallway. That's then when he true. runs back and mm. set it up so he would run up it. But
0: you
1: know? mm. you're, right, you're right, you're right, you're it's right, you're
0: right. like the way it was shot, it was yeah.
2: Sorry, mm-hmm. Go ahead. Oh no, just, cool. I'm drilling. Um,
1: So Ari Aster has said that he was just as influenced by for this movie by family dramas like Ordinary People, The Ice Storm and In the Bedroom as he was by classic horror films like Rosemary's Baby, Don't Look Now and The Innocence. Do you guys know The Innocence? It's from like 1960, I think. It's based on The Turn of the Screw. Did you have to read that in high school? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, So it's based on that. It's really good. Uh, Let's see. Alex Wolff said that this film was more demanding than anything he'd ever done. I'm, just, I'm kind of scaring myself. Like, I thought I just saw a shadow. My I
2: saw that. You looked up. I was like, oh, Joey's <laughs> probably like, hey, wrap it up. <laughs> uh,
1: no, I just I'm freaking myself out here. Uh, originally, Steve Newburn had been contacted about prov- stop that. <laughs> Steve Newburn had been contacted about providing the makeup effects for Her- hereditary. But after he read the script, he had an idea. He contacted the production team and said, "Hey, what about miniatures? Who's doing that?" So the makeup effects company um, had uh, with Steve Newburn, who did the makeup, they also did the miniatures. Oh wow! That's so kind of interesting. Um,
2: oh, so Tony Collette didn't make all those herself?
1: <laughs> no, she did not make all those herself. Uh, no, then I give f- it a nine
2: point five out of ten. <laughs> she oh. didn't
1: really make the fucking like magical art. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this was filmed in Park City, Utah. Which I thought was interesting because the whole time I'm like, where the hell is I thought this? I it was Colorado so, for a minute. Um, I couldn't place it, but I was like, this is unique. This is not a landscape that I personally am, is like familiar to me, but it's parks. Well, stuff. ladies no, no. and
0: gentlemen, uh, being from the West Coast, they look exactly the same from Utah oh. to Colorado. So, okay.
1: okay, good to know. So if you've been to it Utah. good for skiing. What John's saying is, if you've ever been to Utah, don't bother with Colorado. They are exactly the same. You don't. need to And we up.
2: just lost all our Colorado.
0: <laughs> unless I'm you're Mormon, kidding. unless you're Mormon, then you can go to Utah.
1: Um. So here's an interesting <laughs> trivia fact. When somebody from um, like Annie's agent or somebody calls her to ask her about her exit, like, so where are you on your progress? And That's Ari Aster's voice on the phone okay
0: i, read I, that. I, I did re- i did read that before that's awesome
1: yeah i hadn't like, known like, that
0: like, he was the voice of the the guy who was like hey we're here to help you out we just want to know uh what you need from us
1: exactly exactly yeah. um in an interview alex wolf explains that he actually wanted to break his own nose for the scene where he slams his face into the desk and ari aster was like um no we're not going <laughs> to do that." Uh, we're going to make a soft cushiony desk for you to slam your face into. Um, And so, but when it was time to be shot, Alex Wolf slams his face into the desk that the top is foam, but underneath there's like a hard surface underneath. And he actually dislocated his jaw. I was going to say, he
2: experienced some trauma in this film, I believe. Right. I remember hearing something about him, like this film being so dramatic and intense Mm -hmm. that like he went through some shit to deliver this role.
1: Now it sounds like he had previously had that injury like he had already dislocated his jaw so he was like prone to that it wasn't like the first time he'd had that injury but still um fucking ouch.
2: <laughs> yeah, that seems fucking fucked up too. Did yeah. you notice how his hand I noticed at this viewing like, it up. turns but that's payment's hand because when you notice at the ceremony later the cane that they uh, know, like the staff yeah, has a hand uh, that's pointed a certain I, way. I, I and
0: did. Then, I did.
2: Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, like, yeah. that was his thing. and That was his signature, I guess. And something was fucked up with his
1: eye, too. It was yeah. almost like there, it looked as though there were like an invisible string, like pulling his lower eyelid, like away from where it should. It's, his eye just looked really fucked up. Yeah. You guys that, too?
2: Yeah. Was. His eye was fucked up. It, was um, like he, it honestly looked like he was having a stroke. Yeah.
1: It, yeah. It kind of did. That's how
2: it resounded. It looked like it this. It's
1: very alarming. Uh, The language spoken during the invocation that is given to Annie is a combination of Hebrew and Enochian. I don't know if I'm saying that right. And I have no idea what that is. I know what Hebrew is, but I don't know what Enochian is, but that's what it is. Um, Nokia. What was that? From Enochia. Oh, thanks. That really clears it up.
2: The phone company.
1: Yeah. Hereditary's advertising campaign has been credited for keeping Charlie's death a secret from viewers, notably by showing Millie Shapiro prominently in the trailer, even though Charlie's in alive life. for only a quarter of the film. Yeah. So seeing the trailer, I thought, oh, this movie is going to be all about this character. Like this is mm-hmm. going to be the main character or either the either the protagonist or the antagonist all the way throughout the film.
3: Yeah, or was it the last
0: the shot? Person. Like if I remember correctly, the last shot was her like walking out to see the grandma and the lake of fire, right?
2: Yeah, a lot of that was that that scene you, of her looking on the field, very
0: surprised or very scared, with that
2: orange sweatshirt on. Yeah. Yes, yeah, yeah. And you did think that she was a pivotal part of the scene, that's of the movie. And yeah. then it definitely rocked me when I was like, "Holy shit, they took her out like right away."
1: Yeah, so it's a lot like Psycho, where Janet Lee, yeah. you think she you're going to be with her the whole film? She gets oh my god, spoiler for Psycho. If you haven't seen, this. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if you haven't Jamie seen Lee Psycho, what are you even doing here? listening to psycho. this? Oh podcast yeah. uh, or scream with drew Barrymore um what sorry Wait, Drew right Barrymore
2: talking. dies in the beginning of scream
1: <laughs> sorry <laughs> uh throughout the film several words can be s- seen scrawled on walls at one yes. point there are two words I don't know how this is supposed to be pronounced but I think it's like Liftoach lift pandemonium okay so liftoch is an english transliteration of the hebrew word to open oh so uh-huh. maybe it's liftoach um and pandemonium is latin for all demons like pan all okay. demonium.
2: so Annie's open even, all demons and he's actually putting it on one of her miniatures too like on the yes. in the room yeah she's, she's literally like scr-
1: painting it yeah. like tiny tiny and so um pandemonium is what satan calls hell in paradise lost do you guys have to read that in high school or college yeah, pandemonium. But it sounds like or a paradise funner place
2: when you call it pandemonium
1: yeah it sounds like a, a, a rager
2: pandemonium so, yeah, so basically panic. open
1: hell so so li- lift off pandemonium means open hell
2: is
0: that a Death leopard song
1: it should be <laughs> uh the, oh this is okay so this is weird you guys The first decapitation scene is very similar to a real life event in Marietta, Georgia, which is very close to Tallahassee, where I um, went to college. A young man and his friend were driving home very drunk after a party. And the passenger felt that he was going to be sick. And he stuck out his, he stuck his head out the window in case he needed to throw up. And the driver accidentally swerved near a pole and some wire on the pole decapitated the passenger
3: No. and
1: the driver was so drunk that he did not realize his friend was decapitated and he kept driving home. He parked in his parents' driveway with the body in the car and just went inside to go to sleep for the night.
2: Oh, like the entire thing is part. <laughs> I oh, just thought the decapitation, God. not to drive no. home with the but body. But the
1: whole thing, isn't that fucking crazy?
2: Let the
0: body sit the floor. Let the body sit the floor.
1: That's exactly what I said. Uh, let's see what else. Maybe that's not so interesting. Do, do, do. We've kind of already said that. Yeah. I, I think love that's about this, it.
0: I love this trivia. We said that. No no, 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 we did that. All right. We're good. Yeah. <laughs>
1: we're good. That's it. <laughs> so, John, yes. next week is your pick. It is what on earth could you possibly pick to follow
2: hereditary?
0: <clears throat> yeah. Before I say that is uh Heisberg, Can we say who our special guest is next week?
2: I mean, I've been told that we can. All right, go ahead. Our special guest. Oh, you want me to say it? Okay. Our special guest <laughs> next week is going to be <laughs> Justin or Soju from the Straight Drilling Podcast. He's going to join us to review what film, John? Uh, we're going back
0: to 1983. You know, I think about there's a
2: great movies.
0: year. Let's see. I was uh, born in 73 years old. I was seven. Uh, let's see. Um, sleepaway Camp.
1: Yay.
0: Whoa. I
2: just as going good in that as film.
1: Hereditary. <laughs> <laughs> in its own right? <laughs> yeah.
2: I uh, I recommend going into that film blind if you haven't seen it. Hold on. Yes. yes. Yeah. If
1: you haven't seen it, do not read you anything about it. Not.
0: Just... Yeah. Do not spoil yourself. Just go watch it.
1: And do not listen to us talking about it before you watch it. That's one I'm really? gonna say. Don't spoil it.
0: Yep, at all. Um I will say it's not as good as hereditary, but what it's a classic
2: still.
1: It sure is. It's sure a classic. Sure. We'll find
2: out if it's it's on Tubi, it. Peacock, Crackle. It's on Amazon for free, I believe. Oh, awesome. Shutter. Shutter.
1: It's everywhere.
2: I don't know if it's on shutter, bro.
1: It's almost everywhere.
0: Uh, is it gone from Shutter? Let
2: me look it, uh, it, me look it up. Wasn't on there when cut. I just Google searched it before before we recorded.
1: Let me open up my Shutter app. Real this is how quick. the sausage
2: is made, guys.
1: Yeah, we're just checking our phones this whole mm-hmm. time.
2: Oh yeah, this is. I don't think it's on there, bro. All right.
1: Well, Let me see here. Um, oh, know, it is, is on
2: there. Thank you.
1: Oh, you beat me. Oh yeah, it is. It, mm-hmm. yeah, it is. Look at that. It's everywhere. Look,
0: it's on every street service. It, 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 it.
1: You nice. no now I can watch it without commercials. It. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, definitely definitely watch it. Next week, we'll talk about it and decide whether it's deserving of its classic status and reputation. So go watch it there. In the meantime, if you'd like to email us with thoughts, questions, musings, whatever, you can email us at review at gmail.com. You can also follow us on Twitter at Cut Above Horror.
2: You can follow us and check us out at Instagram. At a cut above one word dot horror underscore review.
0: And make sure you follow us on Facebook. A cut above colon horror review. And we want to thank you guys so much for all the very, very wonderful reviews on Spotify. Keep those five star reviews coming. Also on iTunes, five star reviews. We love and uh, give us suggestions on what we can do better or what you love about the show. Yep.
1: Well, thank you guys so much for this episode. I, I honestly think this was actually like one of my favorite um, discussions that we've had. I really enjoyed it. So thank you guys for that.
2: That was awesome. And it's our first 10, triple 10.
1: Unanimous 10. Oh, my God. I so I will see you fellas back here next week to talk about Sleepaway Camp.
2: And in the meantime, keep it creepy.